You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, bringing class to trash since All right, everybody, welcome to the GGTMC. I think I said everybody, but I might say everybody. I don't know what uh, I said. Well, you're from the South. Yeah, that's true. The dirty South, even. So, yeah, right. So that kind of came through a little bit. It sounded like. Mm-hmm. I caught it. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm amazed I even got through it, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, it is English. Yes. Uh, we are back uh, here to talk about some films. Um, we're going to be talking about Old Boy. From 2003, directed by one Park Chan-wook, or Chan-wook Park, however you want to say it. This is that fun uh, world of back and forth with Korean names. And uh, you may have heard of that film before. It's a bit of a uh, cult film, to say the least. Almost well, that's a, uh, Spike Lee did. Uh... Yeah, almost the minute it came out, it was a cult film. It's mm. one of those ones that uh, just happened like that. Had a lot of buzz when it hit the scene. Uh, we'll probably talk about why. And, um, we're also doing, this is always a fun title to say this one. My heart can't beat until, unless you tell it to, there we go. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's a mouthful, um, uh, which is a newer film from, uh, 2021. That would be much newer, much newer, uh, than, uh, that would be this year. And, and, uh, it's out there. It's an independent film. Well, independent horror film, uh, mm-hmm. Will was with us last week, if you remember, and the way we record nowadays, we tend to record weeks ahead, uh, try to record some episodes and some reviews when we can, so we had all seen that, and we went ahead and recorded that review. He is not with us for the Old Boy review, so that is the way the show will go this week. I think that's all the house cleaning there at the beginning of the podcast that I need to do. That was a lot of cleaning. That was. It was a lot of dusting, a lot of cleaning. That's why my sinuses are, ugh, I I can't even. Yes, mine are pretty bad as well this morning. But I think I'll be okay. I feel pretty good. Coffee's kicking in. I think we'll be all right for us. We got a little, uh, I'm hoping I'll get all this covered. We got quite a bit because we've kind of put off some for a little while. But I'll try to get it going here. My uh, laptop is being what the kids would say is, uh, poopy. Mm. <laughs> yeah. 
You know, all those I've kids. Heard, the, I've heard them say that. Yeah, you know, all those uh, the, of all the hot takes kids take. Poopy is the mm-hmm. uh, is the newest one, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do got we got several from Walt here, um, and we got one from Jacob. So we'll try to mix and match here. I don't really have dates. I'll just go with what I got. Uh, that's okay, honey. I don't have dates either. Uh, yeah, I don't have dates on here for for any of this. And uh, again, since my computer is acting trying to get them going right now there we go those uh screen share here with todd let's see if we can play one here here we go um all right here we go here's one from uh walt hopefully you can hear this todd we'll see gentlemen it's walt the good egg um if you're like me there are certain directors that you've uh, perhaps had a change of heart about i'll give you two examples two very different examples in fact you know, Fulci, um, you know, when I was younger, you know, yeah, the gore films were appealing, but, uh, you know, I tended to dismiss them as, a, you know, these are frankly stupid films, you know, enjoyable, but stupid. Um, seeing some of his uh, earlier films, you know, like um, Lizard in a Woman's Skin, and also comparing him to his peers, you start to appreciate what Fulci could do. Uh, the other example here is uh, Robert Altman. I, I did not take, did not like Robert Altman's films, and... Uh, Two films in particular, um, uh, The Long Goodbye and more recently, California Split. Um, just wonderful, wonderful films. And of course, this happens as I appreciate the 70s more and more as, as my probably my favorite decade. Cheers. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was some hot takes there, Walt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, will, I will respond with this one for you. Eli Roth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting. That's one. all I'll say about that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've I've had uh, well, Fulci's an interesting one because as we've done this show, I had uh, really I had a lot of complications with Fulci. Um, I've actually come to appreciate him less. Yeah, that's interesting, and I've gone I've gone the other way. I've come to appreciate him more, especially the gore stuff. I mean, you know, sure. that's a very you know young man punk rock thing to do. Hundred uh, percent, and uh, you know. Obviously, being a fan of transgressive movies, and I wouldn't really call Fulci's movies transgressive. I'd call them just no. gore films because they're not really yep. dealing with any, you know, none, none of the elements I'm really talking about. Uh, there's uh, definitely some transgressive societal elements in his films, but they're mostly just horror elements. They're not really, you know, questioning uh, politics or anything like that. They're not really that transgressive. So I've come to appreciating more as just pure entertainment which I didn't appreciate uh, before. Before I would be like, "Oh man, this this murder rock is something terrible," and this, uh, <laughs> you know, and even Zombie, which was a seminal movie for so many uh, horror buff kids, uh, I didn't like that much. And I still don't yes. love it. I mean, me and Todd reviewed it a while back. I mean, it's it's very good. It's just not. It's definitely not great. I mean, it has a lot of flaws. It has it has some things I like about it, but it's it does it does. But I mean, yeah, a lot of that movie really has to do with time and place. To be perfectly honest, Altman's interesting because I can remember the first time I watched a Robert Altman film, I didn't know what the hell was going on. Well, there's that, yeah. Uh, and it wasn't because and you almost feel like Altman doesn't either. Yeah, and it wasn't because of the narrative. It was because everybody was talking over everybody. I didn't know what was going on. Nothing was clear, but once you get the vocab down, once you get his film language down, um, and I believe he's very hit and miss. He's very hit and miss for me. Um, But the stuff he really hits on is great. 
um, work. He he takes big swings. I'll say that, or he did. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely that, and then, you know, then there's other directors like that too for me. You know, Federico Fellini's the guy I've struggled with over the years, and uh, I've come to love him. Uh, but you know, I haven't watched very much of his movies lately. I wonder how I would feel about them uh, because they're not really story based. They're more, you know, dreams and whimsy and all that kind of stuff. Um, and Paul Thomas Anderson's another one that I sometimes struggle with. I mean, even though I love his movies most for the most part, um, I don't. I know. very much, I very, very, very much struggle with uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, especially and pretty much anything after, well, from Magnolia on. Mm-hmm. And I can understand that completely. I mean, I really had uh, a hard time with, um, what was that last one? What was that last film? Phantom Thread? No, no, not Phantom Thread. I haven't even watched that one because I had such a hard time with the previous one. The Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix one. <laughs> uh, the, uh, not the Master. No, not the Master. The Master I liked. Um, even though I think it's bloated, I did like it. The uh, the one with... Um, Oh man, why can't we know? Why can't we remember the names of things? Are we? Are we? Because oh, we're old and uh, yeah, you know, curmudgeonly or something. Jesus Christ! There's that. Uh, I don't know what the hell I'm trying to say. It's the Private Eye one that he did. Oh, oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Inherent Vice. <laughs> there we go. There it is. Um, <laughs> uh, which I thought looked great and had some great performances in it, but. I, See, I, get, thought that, I thought that Inherent Vice was one of his better movies. Actually, I thought that Inherent Vice and Phantom Thread were both two of his better movies nah, in th- recent time. I think Phantom Thread would, I will probably like. I just haven't got around to it. It looks like something I will like. Um, but Inherent Vice, for whatever reason, it just didn't click with me. It just really didn't. And well, fair enough. Like, yeah. But, you know, uh, it, I think filmmakers are, like anything, I think you can go back and appreciate it. And I think that's a great thing about all that kind of stuff is you can just kind of go back and appreciate these things. And, uh, that works. I remember when, uh, when Michael Bay hit the scene, uh, I remember thinking, wow, this is some overstylized violence. This guy could go, go somewhere. And then it just became more and more and more. And I was like, wow. And that's why I've made the argument over the years that he's almost auteurish because, uh, he really kind of changed a whole generation of filmmakers in a weird way. Mm -hmm. Uh, some would say for the worse, some would say for the better. I, I don't, I, I don't have an opinion one way or the other I, because it went, it came and went. It's not around anymore. Like the Simon West guys and these these commercial directors that they were hiring for, uh, you know, in the early '90s, the Conair guys and the, uh, you know, the Jerry Bruckheimer kind of stable that he was kind of had going there for a while, which just didn't work. So, anyway. We could talk about this subject for hours, though. I can t- I can promise you that. <laughs> All right, let's play one from. Uh, well, let's just play another one from Walt, because he's got three here, and uh, and we'll play the other two on the next episode. So we'll play this one here, and here we go. Gentlemen, it's Walt. Um, in response to Jacob's question about favorite cinematic cars, now I'm in no way a car person, but I'm going to have to go with the muscle car from Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry, if only because. Uh, uh, Susan George is in the back seat. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now I've been collecting uh, That's a good DVDs and now Blu-rays and soon to be 4Ks for about 23 years, and uh, I have movies on my shelf that uh, I have not watched in about <laughs> 22 years. Um, mm-hmm. And I think as we, you know, especially as we approach middle age, uh, you know, it's fun to 
attach memories to those objects in our lives, if that makes sense. So even though you could get most things digitally or on YouTube, uh, it doesn't quite have the same um, uh, connection with your memory, if that makes sense. And it's fun to go and pull it down and realize there's a reason it's been on the shelf for 22 years. Thanks, guys. Yeah, uh, (laughs) there is sometimes. Yes, I see his... uh, I well, see, let's be honest here. You ain't twenty-two. Yeah, the the the, uh, the title of his email is uh, a rare copy of Robo Vampire, which uh, oh that, that, dear, that seems like something that I would purchase and would set on my shelf for a long time, <laughs> as it should, because that's not a good movie. No, that is not a good movie. So always be there. Some of us come and go. Todd's in a he's in a go moment right now. Todd is because it's a space Indeed. issue. Um. But I know. Well, I, you know what, man? It's not even that. But it really is just kind of a, a a thing where it's like, you know, dude, why am I pissing away money that I could be spending on other things, mm. uh, on on stuff that I'm maybe gonna watch one time and be kind of like middle of the road with? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really, I mean, that's my that's my really big consideration with a lot of the stuff that I buy anymore. Yeah. Uh, and that makes it a little, a little bit more difficult, but at the same time, it's like, uh, come on, there's, there's really no reason for me to have X copy of, you know, what uh, it's just ridiculous. I understand that. I understand that. Cause I, me and good friend of the show, Troy and Brad, the giant, bo- not giant bomb, Jesus Christ, not a bomb guys, <laughs> giant bombs, a video game podcast, but the, uh, not a bomb guys. Uh, we have this conversation a lot in a thread. And uh, Troy buys a little bit more than I buy. And, uh, well, I'm not going to say that. (laughs) As soon as I say that, I guarantee you that I probably buy just as much. But either way, we talk about this all the time. And I was actually kind of asking him about a film the other day that he had seen. And uh, he had talked about buying some other things. And I'm like, well, you didn't buy this? And he's like, no, I don't don't think I'd watch that again. He goes, I liked it, but I just don't think it's a rewatchable movie for me. Right, and so I think that's the physical media uh, collector's dilemma, right there. And again, that's what you got going on. Well, right and, now. and especially since this stuff is, you know, it hasn't gone down in price; it's yeah. gone up. Yeah, yeah. You know, when when stuff yeah. is fifty dollars for a fucking Blu-ray, it's like, what? Get go fuck yourself, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I expect that. I that'll... wouldn't pay that to see something in thirty-five millimeter on a fucking big screen. I'm not going to fucking pay for it to watch in my house. Yeah, I expect that'll be the the future because physical media uh is 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 becoming a limited audience sure uh, and that's that's what'll happen and that's why you know you get guys like me and there'll always be guys like me who are constantly going through the the used blu-ray bins and buying you know six and seven movies for five bucks a piece and uh because i do rewatch so much it doesn't bother me to own stuff and of course i do have my own peccadillos when it comes to buying things so like to, i tend to not buy things if they don't have a commentary track on them that's always been a thing for me. Almost everything I own has a commentary track on it. If it doesn't have a commentary track on it, I don't own it. I wait for a commentary track. I'm I'm that much of a lover of commentary tracks. So, um, yeah, that's that's a that's a tends to be unless it's something that I just absolutely love, like Smokey and the Bandit on 4K. See, yeah, that's different. Yeah, see, I bought that. I mean, that was twelve bucks. It was on sale for twelve bucks, and I'm like, "Well, but that's it. But that's a hundred percent worth every penny." I mean, yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, smoking the bandit. So, dude, for Jackie Gleason alone. Yeah, I know you, some bitch. But the, uh, you know, I mean, give me a Diablo sandwich and a Dr Pepper, <laughs> yeah. and make a snappy. I'm in a goddamn hurry. Yeah, yeah. the Dr Pepper really sells it. Uh, 
I, you know, I, I think that's any of us, but uh, you know, I've come down to the only physical media I do collect is, is movies. I, I used to, well, I used to collect comics. I used to collect Jesus toys, uh, just so much stuff. And, uh, you do have to eventually find out what your passion is. There's no doubt about that, but I'll let you know, Walt, I, I, I revamped my whole collection, but I guarantee you, I still got a ton of stuff to go through. I guarantee you, I still got some DVDs I bought back in the, uh, the early days with the clip cases, the little snap cases. Remember the snap cases, man? Oh yeah. I got some of those sitting around still. They haven't been opened yet. <laughs> so we'll see. Anyway, uh, physical media. That is a, it's a good, you know, that's a, it's a love. You got to love it to keep doing it. No doubt about it. Love it or leave it. Yes. All right. Let's get into a little bit of what we've been watching. Uh, see what we've been up to over the last uh, couple of weeks. What you got, Todd? I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Over to you. I haven't seen no. that movie. Uh, so, yeah, uh, a couple things, and I'll, I'll save some up for, for next week because I had the rare, well, it's been a while, too. Um, so, yeah, the College Girl Murders, uh, Crimey, 1967, Alfred Borer. Uh This one is uh, very light. and in, in fact, I think it might be a little bit too light, uh, which is kind of evidenced by the, uh, the constant... Uh, comedic bickering between Joaquin Fuchsberger and the older but way more uh, sexually predatory Siegfried Schoenberg. Um And uh, there's Fuchsberger's habit of uh, chewing gum uh, through the entire movie, which is just kind of odd to watch. Um, the movie does have some, uh, it has some uh, fun elements, uh, especially the, uh, the very, very, very uh, grand wizard looking monk uh, with a bullwhip. Uh, and there's this uh, poison gun, that looks as if it shoots um, liquefied styrofoam, kind of like they used to do for uh, for Mothra's uh, silk webbing uh, back in the uh, this, uh, this the Toho sixties. Um, um, yeah, yeah. And I, I I just kept thinking to myself about how incredibly unhealthy it looked for every single actor who gets a face full of this shit. Um, <laughs> the ending is uh, it's it's suitably insane. Uh, it makes up for some of the uh, the movie's shortcomings, um, I think. But again, I mean. Uh, there's no Eddie Arendt in this one. Uh, I don't know if he had dropped out of the entirety of the uh, series at this point, but, you know, it does kind of bring a tear to the eye. Um, you know, he may uh, he may be gone, but, you know, certainly not forgotten. Um, so we shall see. But I'm kind of guessing that uh, he's out of the picture at this point. Uh, did a rewatch of Blade Runner 2049. Um because I did uh, Final Cut uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, so this is uh, Denny Villeneuve, uh, and the uh, the sequel is, um, I think, somehow equally beautiful uh, to the original, while also being kind of much uglier, uh, both internally and externally. Um, the movie also feels a lot more clinical, uh, you know, as, you know, it, it's, it's asking the same... Um, existentialist sort of questions from a wildly different uh, cultural perspective, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that Villeneuve also isn't really afraid of, uh, you know, using brutal violence to kind of uh, bring in the uh, the hicks like me. Uh, and he manages to, uh, you know, satisfy the, uh, the, the the two levels, the art house and the, and the grindhouse more or less, which, which has kind of been the... Uh, the running theme of his career yeah. uh, up to this point. And I'm really hoping uh, to see more of once Dune hits, which I'm assuming is going to be what, 10, 15 hours long. I don't know. Uh, 
I would assume it's probably two hours and it's at least two hours and 20, possibly oh two hours God, and 40. Yeah. It, it is, it is easily good. No, well, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go you one better. I'm going to say it's going to be two forty-five, two okay. hours, 45. I'm going to, I'm going to look um, it up right now. If we're going to settle this argument right now, on the, right, let's fucking do it. I'll arm air. wrestle you for it. <laughs> no. Um, I am wearing a hat. This, I'll turn it around backwards. Like, dude, don't you fucking Lincoln Hawk me. Yeah. Uh, I will, I'll, uh, Luigi Montefiore, you, um, <laughs> That being said, I think that uh, Sylvia Hoax is really kind of the true underrated standout of the movie, uh, despite you know Harrison Ford's stunt casting and um, the uh, uh, what's her name, Diarmas's uh, in, insane uh, good looks, uh, and even Jared Leto kind of does not completely embarrass himself this time out, um, which is really saying something for that guy's career. Yeah, uh, he's really creepy in that. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I have a uh, a lot of love uh, for this movie while also feeling kind of alienated by it. And I totally think that uh, it could use um, a nice trim, uh, obviously. Uh, but at the same time, I do love it. So, yeah. so we're gonna uh, we're gonna have to eat the difference on Dune. It is two hours <laughs> thirty five minutes. So we were in the oh, ballpark. Fuck you, Danny. What's <laughs> wrong with you? Yeah. Should I get off the pot, man? Yeah. Oh, I guarantee you, there's a four-hour cut somewhere. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. That's gonna be that'll be the 4K. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, I'll, which even if I don't like the movie, which, I'll buy. Which you will be buying, <laughs> and I'll sit there and bitch about, it and then fucking finally plunk it down. Um, <laughs> yeah, it'll go on sale, and you'll so, be like, "Damn it! Oh, you son of a bitch!" That being said, um, I did notice that uh, this year. For uh, a couple of big anniversaries, uh, this uh, this Fathom Events thing, which I've never done before, is doing uh, double features of uh, Frankenstein and Dracula and then Wolfman and the Invisible Man in theaters. Ooh. So anybody who uh, who enjoys the old universal horror movies or horror movies in general, yeah. uh, you know, check out Fathom Events. And dude, they do. They don't even they, they've never even thought about donating a penny to us. So it's not like I'm doing this out of any sort of avarice. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, all four of those movies are an eight or higher for me. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I, as a matter of fact, I think Dracula might be the lowest of the, of the bunch and only because of, uh, just the sort of, uh, clunkiness to it. The pacing of it. Yeah. A lot of people don't, yeah. uh, when they go back and visit that one, that's a very, that's a very slow burn Dracula. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I will go on the record. Uh, I am one of those rare guys who is much more a fan of that, the Spanish, uh, yeah. version that yeah. was shot at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, than I am of the uh, the Todd Browning uh, mm. picture. So, understood. Uh, but yeah, no. So for anybody who's uh, who's interested in those things, you know, there you have it. Uh, and then just to round things off uh, this week, because we're you know kind of chugging along here. And this is a movie that I know that you've seen. This movie called uh, Shang Chi. Ah, yes. Uh, which is one of these. Uh, I don't think I've uh, talked. I don't Marvel think super he- hero. Yeah, <laughs> hero. The high rows. Hey, uh, yeah, I don't think I've talked about that yet. So you have not, because uh, it has not uh, had an opportunity to come up. So I will just go out on. Uh, I right. will give my hot take here. Uh, there are too many Asians in this movie. <laughs> so there's a lot of Asians in this movie. Yes, that is the long and the short of this movie. <laughs> this picture here. Uh, so yeah, no, I mean, listen, you could tell that this is a fantasy simply because part of it uh, that's uh, set in San Francisco. Uh, there's no junkies uh, shitting on the sidewalks, so uh, that's how you know that we're uh, we're completely in fantasy land. Um, I will say this about that: I, I think that you can you can at least see the action 
this time out, uh, which is kind of a rarity for the uh, the Marvel movies and for action movies in general these days. Yeah. So I really, really did appreciate that. Uh, th- I mean, they had said, uh, the CG. They had Jackie yeah, Chan. They had Jackie Chan's American stunt coordinator. He just died recently, right? Brad Allen, I believe. Oh, uh, he was working on this. Yeah, he was the guy that did the stunts on this, uh, the fighting choreography, and that's I oh. think one of the reasons why you see, and that's one of the reasons why I think you get that great. I think pretty great bus fight because yeah uh, yeah yeah because you can definitely tell that's very oh there was there was heavy Jackie Chan oh yeah heavy Jackie Chan uh, influence no. going on here yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um I, that being that being said and, and I, I, this is going to come as absolutely a, a major shock to everybody uh, who's ever heard me talk about a movie um, the the CG in this thing's way overdone hmm. uh, so yeah there's that uh, I think that the movie. I think it's it 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 is entirely too long. Uh, I think, and I think that it didn't really need to go the extra step at the finale. Um, and uh, you know that in mind, I also think that the story itself feels, in a lot of ways, kind of thrown together. Like they give you the the pieces, uh, and they give you you know elements that should work and just fall into place all by themselves, but then they just don't because it's, it almost seems like the movie just doesn't really care about them, hmm. uh, which I found to be kind of uh, tragic. Hmm. Um, I mean, that all being the case, I have, however, finally, finally, finally seen why Aquafina is a thing uh, and maybe even, you know, developed a bit of a crush on her, but then I found out uh, a little bit more of uh, what she's done outside of this movie and then that crush went away. Um <laughs> I mean, it's nothing like my uh, my crush on the the divine Ms. Uh, Yo, who does appear in the movie. Yeah. Uh, but still, um, but I mean, generally speaking, I would put it up there with the Ant Man pictures. Um, I mean, it's it's fun, it's enjoyable. Mm. I, I kind of struggle with whether or not I would want to actually own this one because, like I said, I mean, it really just does it. It really does drag things out way beyond where it should, mm-hmm. and I think that it it really kind of lacks uh, it lacks a focus. Uh, that I think would have really kind of made this one rise up a bit um, uh, level-wise mm. uh, for me. So, yeah. Uh, but I did enjoy it. Yeah. I, and I will say this: I will say this about that the the marketing department for Marvel Studios fucked the pooch majorly with this one because they made this thing look like absolute fucking garbage, uh, where it's not. So, for anybody who's on the fence about it, I, I would recommend. It. I've seen people saying. I got a kick out of this uh, when uh, uh, a lot of um, a lot of critics were saying that you know not only is it a great uh, superhero movie but it's also a great kung fu movie and I'm like eh, I don't know about that I mean it's a fun movie it's it's well done it's, yeah. it, is it a great kung fu movie no I would say go watch Ringo Lamb's Burning Paradise you want to see a great kung fu movie yeah uh, but uh, by that same token you know who's gonna go do that nobody yeah. so. No, the the kung fu's fine. It's not. Uh... It's it's good. It's it's listen in in the uh, in the in the in the 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 halcyon. Uh, well, not halcyon. In the halls of uh, of Marveldom, uh, this is as as good physical action as I think you're probably going to see. So yeah, I think it might be out of all the fight scenes in any Marvel film, it might be the best choreographed fighting oh i would i would absolutely say that yeah 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 yeah, yeah. uh most of the other stuff is a little choppy and we've we've had our discussions about that over the years and stuff uh I, I liked it probably a little bit more than you did although i will say as time you know obviously this is why i never review a film when i walk out of a film uh because well, yeah i mean there's a, there's a lot to take in yeah so you when there's a lot for you need time yeah whenever you see a movie in the movie theater you kind of come off of a 
you kind of come off of a high or maybe even yes. an extreme low. Yes. And yes, yes. this is why, you know, I've said over the years that I think revisiting films or sometimes waiting for a film's hyperbole to die down is really the right way to see a movie. But I understand, you know, everything's opening weekend. It's a business. I get it. We had fun with it, my son and I, but we've talked about it since then. And uh, we've kind of talked about some of the slow pace. It's really weird how it's a really kind of jumpy, adrenaline-fueled film. Um, and the Abomination stuff is fun and all that kind of stuff. And then every time it gets to Tony Lau or whatever, it's like this slow, almost uh, wuxia film. And then it kind of goes back into this jumpy American film. It really is a yes. film of yes. mixed identity. <laughs> yes. And uh, as time has well, as time I mean, has passed, that's I'm, kind of part and parcel of the character. So I mean, it, it, it kind of you know, you, you it's it's it's, a, it's it, let's be honest here. Shang Chi's a difficult character to balance out, oh, and especially yeah. considering especially considering his actual origin, which you know no. I would almost guarantee you nobody knows about. Yeah, um, there's no way so, they would put the original there. Any of the, I mean, I have the Shang Chi omnibuses. If you oh, so do I. If you go back and read those, uh, yeah, they don't they don't compute with modern audiences. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, well, and th and this character feels miles away from that that sort of inscrutable Asian sort of character that they that Engelhart and uh, I can't remember who the artist was off the top of my head uh, originally created. Was it Mooney or was it Galacy? Oh, uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. Normally, I do, and that's going to drive me crazy. Thanks, Todd. Yeah, right. <laughs> you are welcome. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he's kind of a, a tough, a tough thing to sell to begin with, especially now. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. He was a character just, of his time. Yeah. He was well, a... and, and especially because, I mean, I think for, for there is the whole rights thing about who his father is. Cause his father was not Tony Lung. No. Uh, in the, in the, uh, in the, in the, in the comic books, he was not the Mandarin, uh, for, you know, spoiler alert, he was Fu Manchu. Yeah. Uh, so they incorporated all the Sax Romer uh, mythology into the the comic books mm -hmm. uh, for however long, and then they lost the rights, and, blah, 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 and then they had to turn him into the Yellow Claw. And... Which nowadays so, you would happened? never get a, you never get away with naming a character the Yellow Claw that's Asian. In well, a film. not an Asian character anyway. No. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, lo I love that. I love that. Um, and even I, I, you know, I don't really care for that. I mean, because you know everything is of its time. But even I, if I open up those omnibus and look at them, it is just a little bit. Uh, insulting that the actual Asian characters in an old Marvel comic are actually colored yellow. Yes, they they literally are. Well, either that or like a, a, a like a Mandarin orange. It's very to, it's it's a very odd feeling to read those. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. like, wow, Shang Chi is yellow. Yeah, <laughs> that is ooh. But again, those seventies. I mean, I've talked about this over the years, and me and you are the same age. Those seventies Marvel characters, those that seventies run. Uh, especially the B characters is some of my favorite stuff. Tomb of Dracula. Oh my god, yeah, that. Oh, uh, Omega the Unknown. Oh yeah. Uh, you know all of just Warlock. Yeah. I mean, come on. There's all kinds of great stuff in there, and if the Marvel Studios can bring that stuff to life, like it looks like they're trying to do, because they are making a Blade film, and and if they yeah. if they can bring that stuff to life, I'll be terribly impressed. I really will. Well, that being said, I did see the the commercial for Eternals, and I was just like, <sighs> I know the uh, the advertising for these things lately has not been good. It's been horrible. I'm I'm seriously. I, I'm, dude. They're they're they've literally been putting me off. I think it's uh, their if, stuff. If you want my opinion, it's of the point where they, because this movie's made a lot of money considering it's pandemic still yeah, on. Yeah, almost almost uh, half a billion. Yeah, uh, 
I, I honestly think that uh, they feel so, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to speak for them, but I will because I'm doing a podcast about movies, but it feels like they, it feels like they uh, almost feel bulletproof at this point. Like they don't even have to put well, that I, much work that's into that's a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. They just got to saturate it. It doesn't have to be interesting. They just got to saturate yep. it. That's all. Well, and sadly there's, you know, jerk offs like me who are just going to be like, oh my God, I love Marvel comics. Give me, give me. Like, yeah. Well, so, I mean, there's jerk offs like me who love comics too. And I complain about the movies and go, you're not going to be wrong. I, believe me. I see the fucking chinks in the armor. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm a hundred percent. I, I will almost, almost always, uh, wind up with my ass in a seat yeah. in a smelly fart drilled seat <laughs> in a theater, yeah. uh, somewhere fart drilled, uh, just, <laughs> just to, yeah. just to see these things. That's, so. the, that's the cover of our comic book right now. The all new spectacular fart drilled GGTMC. <laughs> yes. That actually should be the, the descriptor, I think. Yeah. Uh, but I actually speaking of comic books, uh, just to get this one out there because we are a comic book show. Um, uh, for anybody who, who really, really, really likes comic books, uh, here's a little, uh, original graphic novel for you to pick up. Uh, did you hear what Eddie Gein done by Harold Schechter and, uh, Eric Powell? It is out fucking standing. Yeah. I've seen the artwork for that. I'm going to check that oh out. Oh my God, dude. It is so good. Mm-hmm. I'm about three quarters of the way through it because I'm just such a glacially slow reader. Mm-hmm. But it is so fucking good for anybody who's a true crime person, for anybody who's interested in, in just, you know, Eddie Gein, uh, for anybody who just likes Eric Powell's artwork. Uh, and speaking of which, um, just as another aside, comic book wise, I, I saw that they're going to be putting out an expanded edition of Big Man Plans, nice. which was an exceptional uh, little miniseries from a while back. I think it was only three issues originally, but I think they're adding like 30 pages. Sweet. Uh, material to it so yeah i'm a hundred percent getting that uh so yeah for anybody who uh who actually reads the uh the comic books there you have it nice good suggestions those good suggestions. see <laughs> uh i'll go over a few things i watched uh i won't go into too much detail about it because i watched a lot um uh let's see here watched a couple with my daughter paul patrol the movie spongebob movie sponge on the run paul Wait, patrol patrol yeah, Paw Patrol was pretty much a standard movie, but it wasn't. Oh, Paw Patrol. Yeah, it wasn't nearly as bad as you know. I, I didn't want to watch it, but it it it's one of those things you do as a parent, and uh, sure. it wasn't nearly as bad. I mean, it's it, it hits its paces. It wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. I had a pretty good time with it, to be honest with you. SpongeBob. Uh, I've, I've been uh, I've been victim of that show uh, several times yeah, in yeah. my life. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and it's just kind of one of those things. It's just like, eh, okay, yeah, it is what it is, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, the SpongeBob movie, on the other hand, now that as as is always the case, uh, that's Sponge on the Run. This one, um, the <laughs> SpongeBob movies. SpongeBob is such a strange creation. It really is, and it's such a strange creation that uh, you know it gets away with so much. I think in some ways. Oh yeah. And oh, yeah. uh, it, it's it's amazing how kind of dirty slash bizarre slash gonzo it is. Yep. And it kind of gets away with it. Um, but those are a couple I watched with my daughter. Uh, we talked about Shang-Chi. I watched White Boy Rick, which is the... Uh, Isn't Matthew, that your name? Yeah. The Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, everybody said that. Uh, <laughs> it's a true crime film. Um about Rick uh, Marshkey, I think it was I think it was his last name, uh, the d- Detroit drug dealer. Um, okay. It's a it's a solid little true crime movie. I think a lot of people didn't check it out. Uh, I don't think it was uh, sold very well, and uh, it didn't have a lead outside of Matthew McConaughey. It didn't have a lead anybody really noticed. So mm-hmm. I think it kind of got pushed under the radar. But I watched this on the old fashioned uh, DVD, <gasps> and uh, yeah, I know 
And I, but I had a good time with it. I thought it was a really good, uh, solid little crime film. Bruce Dern's in there. Piper Laurie's in there, which was kind of a surprise. Although I think she just, I think she just showed up on the set and hung out. It seems like me. She don't really have anything to do in the movie, but it's um, it's a pretty decent little uh, crime film. I, I liked it quite a bit. Jonathan I, I Majors. Totally see Piper Laurie doing that too. Yeah. <laughs> Jonathan like, Majors yeah, is in it. Uh, who plays? Uh, I guess most people know him now as Kang the Conqueror from uh, uh, yeah, the Loki yeah. thing, but he's in it as the kind of heavy, and he's really, really good in the movie. I can see, you know, you know, obviously he's got star written on him. He, I just, it, it was fine, but it, it wasn't great. And then uh, Randy came into town, good friend of the show, Randy came into town, and I'm just going to run these off real quick. We did four movies <laughs> in one day. All right. Uh, he just wanted to hang, he just wanted to hang out and watch some movies, and my son did too, so we were like, hey, let's do it. So we watched, we did a rewatch of Venom. Which uh, okay. I st- still feel the same way about because like, well I did a watch a rewatch of Venom, and Randy did. My son had never seen it, so he's right. got this Star you know he's got the Spider Man multiverse thing coming up, and so now he wants to go through all of the Spider Man films. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, well, where do you want to start? And he said, I want to start with Venom since Venom Let There Be Carnage will be coming out first. And I'm like, oh okay, yeah. All right, well, we'll start with Venom. And I have mixed feelings about Venom. I like it because it's only an hour and a half long. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that. Uh, I like well, when, Tom- that, when, that, when, that's the, when that's the high point of your movie, though. Yeah, yeah. I like Tom Hardy a lot. Uh, I'll forgive him for a lot of things. I do, uh, too. But you know what, man? That movie was just such a what oh. the fuck is everybody doing in this thing kind of deal. I was just mm. kind of like, eh. yeah, the only thing that makes any sense in there is the Tom Hardy character really is is him right. and his performance. And that's the only reason why I still I like the movie. Although I will say I do really I don't really love the special effects of Venom. I think they show too much of him in certain aspects. And I, I don't really know how they could have done it any other way. But I'll say this. Tom Hardy's voice acting is Venom. Pretty good. Pretty solid. Sure. I, I do sure. enjoy. Well, he, no, he he does. Yeah, no, he always he's always been pretty adept at uh, yeah. at doing stuff with his voice. That's interesting. Pretty enjoyable. The Eddie, let's go, Eddie. You like her? <laughs> <laughs> so I have pretty fun with that. Uh, pretty much fun with that. But it's not a great movie. It's it, but it's a uh, it's okay. I enjoy it. Uh, then we watched Enter the Fat Dragon. This is a Donnie Yen joint. Oh yeah. yeah this okay. looks this looks ridiculous, and it is ridiculous. But I tell you what, it's a lot of fun. Uh, oh yeah 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 it's a lot of fun a lot of great fight choreography as you would expect from donnie Yen. sure uh it, it, well, we, was we had he, a blast was with he it. behind the camera on this one or i don't know if he i don't know if he was just stunt coordinating or what he was doing or his team was but it's a typical donnie Yen film in that uh you you watch it and you think to yourself man how, how at his age now is he still so damn quick and so damn good at this stuff and yeah. here in this one he's wearing a fat suit and he still is the most <laughs> athletic big man outside of Samuel Hung you'll ever see. Um, and he he he's he's having fun here, and uh, it's a it's a fun movie. It's it the music is all over the place. So it's typical Asian cinema in that the soundtrack <laughs> does not match what's going on in the movie, mm-hmm. and it's a bit sillier than it needs to be at times, and a bit darker than it needs to be at times. But it's uh it's fun. The thing I'll, I'll complain about about it though. And I talked to Troy about this, and I think, uh, you know, Randy about it when he was here. You know, they're selling it as, you know, Enter the Fat Dragon looks like a Bruce Lee riff because he's wearing the Game of Death thing on the yep. on yep. the cover. Thing. None of that ever happens in the movie. So just be warned. <laughs> Get out. Yeah, it's just a straight up, it's a straight up uh, cop who eats too much junk food. But it's still incredibly entertaining, and uh, I would I would recommend it. 
we watched uh, Love and Monsters. This is one from 2020. Troy had been pushing this one on me hard, saying I would like it. And that, this is one of those movies where I hate the poster. Mm-hmm. It's one of those movies where I saw the poster and I'm like, I'm never going to watch that. Uh huh. And you, you know, you have that kind of visceral reaction sometimes to things. I just didn't like the poster, and some, and unfortunately, sometimes for me, the poster does a lot. Well, a hundred percent. And you know what? That that's another one of those things where you know, as old men, we could just kind of sit here and, and pick apart because I mean, you know, perfectly honest. I mean, shit was did not used to be like that where you would go to see something strictly because yeah, uh, the poster looked good, and then you get in there and you're like, ooh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but I got to say, this movie is really solid. We had a lot of fun with this one. This is it's really yeah. good. It's a kind of a post apocalyptic thing, mm-hmm. uh, dealing with giant bugs. The creature effects Wait, are that, really is good. That, is that uh, is that Spanish or is that American? Or it's something? an American film. It's a it? shot in Australia. It might be an Australian uh, filmmaker. Okay. okay. I would uh, tell you to check this out. I would tell you to check both those films out: Enter the Fat Dragon and Love and Monsters. I think you'll like both of those. Oh, cool. And uh, I think our audience would like both of those. They're both kind of light, fair, and fun entertainment, but I think they're really good. And uh, definitely check them out. Uh, and then, of course, one with a great poster. We watched, uh, I, Randy wanted to watch something gonzo with me. He's like, I want to watch something that only you would watch and appreciate. I'm like, oh, that's easy. You ever seen Pieces? <laughs> and he goes, no. I'm like, well, you're about to. So we watched Pieces. I don't know if Randy enjoyed it as much Gird as I your did. Loins. Yeah. I don't know if Randy enjoyed it as much as I did on a rewatch, but uh, uh, well, he had never seen it. But I don't know if he enjoyed it as much as I did, but I still enjoy it, and uh, it's still <laughs> one of the most ridiculous films I think I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I will say just for the record too, just to get this out there, because I'll have more to talk about in the next episode. I did we did watch a rewatch of the Amazing Spider-Man, the yeah, the uh, the Garfield one. And uh, oh. Garfield and Stone. Now that one is a little mixed, and I'll agree with that that aspect of it. I don't like the reptile design in it at all, and uh, there's things I don't like. But I tell you what, I do like in that movie mm-hmm. more than I like in any other Spider-Man movie, possibly except the new Spider-Man movies, because I think there is real good chemistry between Zadaya and Tom Holland. But I gotta say, Emma Stone and James Garfield. They really nail that Gwen Stacy, Peter Parker thing. Uh, the rest of the movie, well, I could take or leave it, but I really enjoy those two together. Here's the thing. I did not like the Garfield Spider-Man movies, and largely because uh, it felt to me as if, uh, and I know that this was kind of a common complaint about them, but it is, I think, true. Uh, he just kind of felt like Spider-Man, uh, whether he was in the costume or not. And that's not the character, uh, mm-hmm. from, from my perspective. Yeah. Uh, I think that, uh, Sam Raimi really kind of nailed it a lot better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that Tom Holland, uh, in the, uh, the newer movies, uh, directed by, who was it? Peyton Reed, maybe. I don't know. Don't remember. Don't care. Um, don't remember either. Don't, I don't think it was right? Peyton Reed though. <laughs> I don't think, no, Peyton Reed was the Ant-Man movies. Um, yeah. But regardless, uh, I think that they do it a lot better. But it, I mean, it, it just it didn't feel like Spider-Man to me. Spider-Man was supposed to be a loser uh, out of costume and then Spider-Man in costume. Uh, and for me, in those those couple of movies, he was just Spider-Man 100 percent of the time. And just this really hip kind of kid and, you know, all of this shit. And I was just like, I, I, I'm not buying it, man. You, yeah. You've given me nothing to, to hang on to. Uh, for the character, you've taken away any of the uh, the the charisma and the uh, the empathy of the character. So, mm. 
uh, that's how I felt about it. And plus, I didn't think they looked all that great either. So yeah, I like uh, except for the the villain. I got to be honest with you. I think Amazing, and I haven't seen. I've never seen Amazing Spider-Man Part Two. But okay. uh, the I have to say, I, I think I might like the look of Amazing Spider-Man above all the Spider-Man movies. You mean the the costume design? Costume design and the actual cinematography. Yeah, it's weird. Okay. It's weird. I don't know if for whatever reason that one works for me, and uh, I don't know why. I, now I don't think any of them are as good as Spider-Man Two, the Sam Raimi film. I think oh, no. Raimi yeah. nails Spider-Man and Spider-Man Two. He nails those two. I think he fails miserably on Spider-Man Three. I think it's yes. I, I think it's one of the worst superhero movies ever made. But yes, well that that that's the that's the the epitome of uh, yeah. uh, studio intervention. Well, that's also the epitome of I think Sam Raimi in a contractual obligation saying, you know what, I think I'm done here. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's almost like this is the film version of I give up. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, I'd have to go back and revisit. I've only ever seen Spider-Man three once. I don't ever want to revisit it, but I imagine uh, I'm going to have to now. Uh, yeah. Uh, because my son wants to get through all these, but uh, I no, I don't know what it is. But amazing works for me. Now I'm not excited about seeing Amazing Spider-Man two because I don't. I'm just not excited about it. But I I think I just liked Emma Stone and James Garfield together. I, I really like them two together. I don't know why. Uh, Emma Stone has a certain kind of charisma. She's not for well, me. She's yeah, not she a. She in and of herself. Yeah. yeah. She's not a. For me, she's not a. She doesn't do anything for me. Like she's not attractive to me, not to me. But I think she has this natural charisma that I can't explain. Uh, she does. Yes, she, she absolutely really does. has the the it quality. She has the it quality, no doubt about uh, it. But I, but I, uh, contrasting you, she does a hundred different things for me. Yeah, uh, okay. attraction. So yeah, so I can see that. I think she might do that for my son. You know, obviously he's not going to talk to me. About it. <laughs> But I think she might yeah. do that for my son because he likes Cruella quite a bit, and he keeps asking okay. me to watch it. And I'm like, eh, maybe someday. It just doesn't, it isn't up my alley. But everybody tells me it's good, so maybe one day I'll sit down and watch it. We'll see. All right, that's all we've been watching. We'll get into more stuff later on. We're gonna take a short break. Come back and discuss a little movie called Odebuy. We'll be back uh, right after this. Yeah, <laughs> funky well funky this morning there yeah all right gotta love it the old boy uh theme oh boy thing uh yeah, i said that oh boy oh boy all right uh, jerry lewis yes <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, <laughs> oh boy, 2003, directed by a director you may have heard of, Park Chan Wook. Or Chan Wook Park. Yeah. You may have heard of him. Uh, after being kidnapped and imprisoned for 15 years, Odasu is released. Only to find that he must fi- only to find that he must find his captor in five days. There we go. That's how I would say it. That's how I would type it. So there you go. I think if I'm right, I believe you led on the heart review. So maybe I should probably go ahead and lead on this one. Uh it's up to you. Uh, if you want, I'll go. If you want, you go. Uh, I'll go. I'll go because I, I've had a mixed uh, relationship with this movie over the years. Um, the first time I saw it, I didn't really like it that much. Uh, and I think it was mostly because this was the era before you could get a hold of good copies uh, quickly. Um, mm-hmm. 2003, certain things were not as accessible, let's say, as they are now. And um, you really didn't get a lot of uh, buzzworthy films from studios and stuff with uh, big releases in the states i know this sounds like a crazy thing now uh although i don't think it is because i think it still happens um but this was not available easily uh back in the day and i think it took me a full year to finally hunt down a copy that i got off ebay that was an official dvd release only to find out it was not very official at all once i got it and it was quite muddy and quite a mess um, uh, I still have it somewhere, but, uh, you would think it was that as soon as I opened the packaging and then saw the DVD, I'd have been like, yeah, somebody made this on their computer. Um, and, uh, but at the time I thought, oh, I got the official release. Um, but I did not. So, uh, and part of the problem I had with that release was the subtitles were not great. They were all over the place. Have you ever had a, a digital copy or a pirated copy of anything where the subtitles are sometimes non-existent or they're just for whatever reason on the corner or on the side or just wherever they want oh, to put yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, constantly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was another thing that deterred from my enjoyment of the movie. I knew visually it was something special, and I knew visually Park Chan-wook was something special. I just didn't quite understand the hype at the time. Now, as time has gone on, I've seen it twice since, this being the second time. So I've seen it three times now overall. Watch this one on Blu-ray, which I believe we both own the same Blu-ray set of the Vengeance trilogy. I think we both own the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Arrow, which is a European release. Um, well, no, mine is mine was from Tartan. Oh, you got, you got the Tartan one we had in the opening. And kind of like the conversations we've had in the past, I knew there was something here. It just didn't work for me the first time I saw it, and maybe even the second time I saw it. But this time around, it worked a lot better. And um, I'd always had an appreciation for it. So so I want to make sure I say that. But I'd always had kind of a mixed appreciation for it. I'd always thought the story was kind of jumbled. But kind of watching it now, I realize it's actually pretty basic. It's just playing with – it's very – okay, see if if you can get with me on this kind of – topic here or this kind of idea and see if you feel this way at all i don't know if you will and this is just me personally but old boy almost feels to me like it it feels like an impactful film about violence and revenge kind of like the way clockwork orange felt impactful about violence in that it's violence as art and but it's also violence as pure cinema in my opinion, because the logic is way off, but it's not supposed to be logical. It's supposed to be mm-hmm. beautiful. 
Right. Does that make sense? It does. I don't know that. I mean, I think that old boy is more exploitive. Like it's almost in a, in a, um, in a, uh, having your cake and eat it too sort of way. Ah, uh, yes, it is a little uh, bit. Yes. Unlike, uh, clockwork orange, which felt very orchestrated. Yeah. Well, that, uh, yeah, think- it's totally orchestrated. I mean, it's, that's why I say pure cinema because mm. anything Kubrickian is done for the sake of movie. It's not done for the sake of reality. Sure. Well, and that was, and that's kind of. I mean, you do kind of get that feeling here. Uh, but I think that he was. I think that uh, Wook was also very much looking to satisfy uh, that sort of uh, primal urge as much as he was looking to kind of uh, undercut it. Once we get to the big. Uh, the big moments in the movie. Twist. Um, a twist. Yeah. The big. Well. Yeah. yeah. There's there's a couple there's a couple twists here. There are a few. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's that's where I come in on it. Uh, I, you know, I I don't really, I don't really think it's it's the same thing as because this is a lot. This is also a lot more of a uh, personal movie mm. uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely more um, more so the clockwork. No doubt. No doubt. A hundred percent. The only character uh, in Clockwork that is personal, the only character I think is the old man in the wheelchair, right? I mean, that's the. Well, and even there, he's so he's so removed uh, uh-huh. from reality because he's played first of all by Patrick McGee, and then <laughs> uh, that you know he's so over the top. <laughs> yeah, he, I'm, I'm trying to be nice. Yeah, <laughs> he, a... yeah, he's so uh, let's say inflamed. <laughs> That uh, it's kind of, you know, it does make it kind of difficult to uh, to fully, you know, latch on to to the shit that's happening, even though it's horrific. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But this is this is horror in a different sort of way. Uh Uh, But I do do get what you're saying. I I don't know that I would 100 percent agree. Yeah. Uh, But I I, I completely get where you're where you're going with it. Yeah. I think what Park Chan-wook does very well as a filmmaker overall is he sees beauty in very dark things. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, filmmakers come along like him every now and then, and they're really good at this. And uh, it's kind of unexplainable uh, in a way how you can take something. I mean, there are moments in this movie that will make you grind your teeth or Mm -hmm. make you even appreciate your teeth, uh, to be literal. Uh, Uh, Yeah. But he he surrounds his films in a bit of mystery and kind of throws you off a little bit. And if you look at his movies and you look at his sort of whole filmography, most of his movies are pretty straightforward. They just have these Park Chan-wook-isms in them, these little moments that he, his personality kind of bleeds through every now and then. And it's this unique kind of look at humanity that I have to give him credit for because I don't think any other, I mean, there's a lot of great Korean filmmakers. We've, we've talked about them over the years and certainly of this era, there's three or four that came from this era that in a lot of ways revolutionized Korean cinema, right? You got Park Chan-wook, you got Kim Ji-woon, you got uh, Bong Jo, Bong Joon-ho, uh, Bong Joon-ho. Is that Bong Joon-ho? Yeah. Yes. And you got, uh, who's the other one? The, uh, guy that did three iron and some other things. Uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Uh, Kim Ki Duk. There we go. How about that? There you go. I, I knew I'd get it out sooner or later. <laughs> but these, and there might be some other ones too. Just like a bowel. Yeah, yeah. These, these, these four guys. There might be others, but these four guys 
kind of rev- revolutionized uh, that era of Korean cinema. Sure. Uh, for better or for worse. Uh, I know some people don't like some of those films or some of those filmmakers, but uh, you can't deny that these guys kind of like the French new wave of horror. They kind of came in and gave the, the cinema a bit of a punch in the gut, right? Mm-hmm. Which is good for cinema. That, that's what cinema has to have. Uh, any art form has to have a new movement every so often because it changes the course of the, uh, of the art form itself. Uh, and I think these guys did that. I don't know how long the influence lasts. I don't know how much it bled into American cinema or any other cinema. Uh, I would say some of it's there. Uh, all these guys have come over eventually and worked in American cinema. Kim Ji-Woon with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, Park Chan-wook with uh, the Stoker film, which I think is underrated. Uh, I think it's a very good film. Um, it's, again, a vengeance movie, essentially, uh, which I think, Park Chan-wook, for whatever reason, is obsessed with the vengeance. Maybe maybe the most obsessed revenge filmmaker outside of Quentin Tarantino is Park Chan-wook, uh, you could argue. Well, it's, it's interesting, it's interesting that, uh, that you say that since, I mean, you and I are, are mostly in agreement that, you know, almost every movie uh, at heart, uh, if, not is, if, if, if it is not based in revenge, has revenge elements to it. Certainly, certainly, because it's, it's a primeval... But but with need but, we have. but with Wook it's very much yeah it's very much forefront yes. uh, territory yeah and like it's it's as bare bones as it gets like it's you did me wrong sure. you're gonna pay yep 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 here what I like what he's done with it is here he's got double revenge going on so we got vengeance from one character because he's been locked up for 15 years and he doesn't understand why but then we find out that there's vengeance from the other character so you got double revenge going on which essentially to me means the thesis of the movie is nobody wins. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's an interesting take because usually vengeance films, especially B movies, which I guess this would be considered that. Although I think this is more of a prestige A movie with B movie elements. Uh, that's my opinion of the movie. Now I don't know how Korea felt about the film, but I always have always felt that this is just a very well made film with B movie elements, uh, kind of like we do with our American films nowadays, where we make a bunch of B movies and we release them as A movies. Um. So the, it surrounds itself in kind of mystery and paranoia, and I think he does a really good job with the paranoia. Although I have to say, still to this day, I think the front end of this movie wears out its welcome a little bit uh, with him and the... Uh, I, I like that stuff, but I just think it's I think it's overdone. I think it's like hangs around like maybe five to ten minutes too long. Because <laughs> it's, it's, quite, it's quite the uh, mysterious uh, opening. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's not as long as I think it is, but it certainly feels that way. And he learns. I do like certain elements of it, though. He learns how to fight from watching TV yep. or from uh, just kind of figuring it out on his own. And, you know, he's punching walls. And they do a great job in this movie, or Chen Wook does, of uh, constantly shooting close ups of his callous knuckles. Mm-hmm. which is great. It's just a little touch, but it's always great to see those callous knuckles to make you remind you that he spent 15 years punching a wall. Uh, you know, that that's, that's a great little moment. Here is the, here is the maybe I won't say this is the MVT, but it is certainly a runner up for the MVT for this entire movie. Okay. And that is Choi Min-sik or Min-sik Choi's hair. Oh my God. His hair is fucking amazing. It's a character all to itself. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. I don't know if it, I don't think it's a wig. I think it's his real hair, but I don't know that for a fact because I've seen him with longer hair in interviews, and it looks very 
thick and kind of laid back. So unless he just let let it get real frayed or something and real dried out. Well, yeah, they probably just teased the fucking shit out of it. Yeah, but it's amazing. Like, it is the purest form for me of like what a manga character looks like in real life. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and it it just works. And uh, I really enjoy that, and I still enjoy it. It looks amazing in this film. And his face, and we should give a lot of credit here to Min Sik Choi because he is amazing in this movie. He is he is central to the film, and it's one of those actor-director relationships. Uh, it may as well be De Niro and Scorsese and Taxi Driver in some way. It's just the perfect pairing of two uh, creative types. Uh, and I don't know if they worked together again or if they got along great. I don't know anything outside of that. All I know is that for this one brief moment, they seem to be completely in sync. And mm-hmm. uh, it works very well. Um, there's no way also, I should say, that that room that he's in, there's no way that it doesn't smell awful with dried oh blood on the God. floor and him never showering, really. Oh. <laughs> it smells like copper and taint in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't man. even begin to imagine. Yeah, I mean, like, and he's uh, well, he's eating all those dumplings too, fried dumplings. I yeah, mean, right. The gas is flowing in there, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and not just through the vents. <laughs> yeah, well, through the one vent. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, yeah. Anyway, Dude, the stains on that fucking oh, they're uh, awful. <laughs> even the bed was dirty and nasty. Uh, but of course, yeah. it would it would be. You know, I mean, he, he's sweaty. Well, and, it, in in retrospect, I've I've probably slept on worse well, yeah, well i don't want to admit that on the air but i've i know i've slept in i'm some, just gonna say it i've slept in some i slept i've swept i've slept <laughs> in some questionable areas no doubt about that i know i've slept on some floors that i woke up the next day and was like oh my god oh yeah, yeah. so you can tell what kind of uh what kind of state i was in if i slept on that floor beforehand like i'll just lay down right here and take a little nap i think we've all been there <laughs> um I like that there's also a heavy plot point tied to the dumplings. I kind of like that. There's a yeah, bit of a yeah, yeah. there's a bit of a mystery tied to the dumplings themselves, which is kind of fun the way they kind of go through that. Now, when I first saw this film, I think it was kind of championed hardcore the action of the movie. Now, the action is good, but it's not the kind of action you don't go to this movie expecting a Donnie Yen or even a, for that matter. No, this is this is blunt yeah stuff yeah not, or even a shang chi to say the least you're not sure. going to expect to see any of that kind of stuff this is no. violence for violence sake this is uh you know pick up whatever you can uh cripple the enemy as quickly as possible and uh so i think when i saw the hallway fight scene i think i was expecting and again this is just me being uneducated this is 2003 uh, you know i knew a lot about movies but i didn't know as much as i know now and um i thought to myself you know that wasn't very good uh you know that wasn't very good that wasn't anything but now i've come to appreciate the fact that that's not what the point of it is the point of it is to be visceral and to eliminate as much as possible everybody because it's one man it actually makes more sense as i've gotten older because it's one man with a hammer versus 20 something guys in a hallway and it's the slowest dolly fight scene I've ever seen. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, it's, it's amazing the patience that is done. And it actually goes back and forth, which I didn't even realize the first time I saw it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That it goes forward one way to the right, uh, almost like reading a book. And then it goes back left, and then it goes forward again. 
It's kind of a nice touch. I, and and that is something that's kind of special about this movie. I think the camera work is uh, incredible in this movie. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. I mean, the action is very well done. There's uh, a lot of scenes of extreme close-ups, almost Jonathan Demme-like. Um, a lot of that really works. Um, all of the acting, even though some of it is over the top, I think it works. Uh, because I think this is an over-the-top movie. It is. It is. And it has to be over the top because I think it's amped. It's 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 up there. It's trying to get it's trying to get you um going in some way. Um and I think everybody is dialed to eleven, so to speak, if not higher, to get it there. And uh, I know some folks don't like that. I have to admit that I quite enjoyed that, uh, going back and looking at it this time. And it really works. I mean, it really does. The movie just kind of flows. Uh, it's a little, like I said, I think it's a little long in the tooth at times. Um, but overall, I think it really just kind of hums along. And you're kind of, you know, you're behind that character of Odessu, even though he is, which I think is a nice touch. He's a bit of a shit. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, I mean, I mean he's, uh, yeah. he's an alcoholic. He's not a good dad. He's, uh, he's, I don't know. I don't know if the word scumbag is appropriate. Ooh, I just hit the microphone on my tooth. You, which is apropos for this movie, but the, I don't know if he's a scumbag because we never see him really doing anything scumbaggy, but well, he's just a shithead, right? Yeah. He's, he's a heavily flawed sort of, uh, character. Uh, that's, you know, as the movie chugs along, you, you really get the feeling that, you know, and you you really kind of got to question whether or not he deserves what's happening to him. Yeah, yeah, you do. And there's moments when, and I think it's a really smart thing to do. They show him as this slovenly kind of drunken, a middle-aged man uh, yeah. who nobody wants to be around. Uh, he's just like, he's one of those drunks. He's one of those drunks that like he got, he, everybody wants to just either punch him or just get rid of him. You know, he's just obnoxious. <laughs> Um, then they go back and show him as a child and you realize even as a child that he's a bit of, again, he's not that, he's not that guy, but you can see where not as a child, I should say he's more of a teenager, but you can see where that teenager would become the kind of shitty middle-aged person that he became. Mm-hmm. And it's just that, I guess the best word to use for Odessu is selfish. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of the crime that he committed. Uh, it was his indifference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I, I, I guess you could ratchet it up to depraved indifference if you were in a court of law, but, yeah. um, but at the same time, I mean, yeah, that's kind of where, that's kind of where they, they leave you with the, uh, with the guy. Yeah. I think that that's interesting, but at the same time, you know, again, I think you're really you're kind of stuck in this position of you know both being both wanting to watch him get his revenge, uh, as well as being like you know that that seems a bit far fetched mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. as far as you know the 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 the, the lengths that the um, ostensible villain uh, is willing to go to with this thing. Right. So. Right. I think that you know. Everything. So that's where I kind of get tied to my clockwork orange thing. Cause there's certain things, especially the quote unquote villain mm-hmm. 
Mm. Now this gets into movie villainous movie villainy for movie villainy's sake. Yes. Uh, he has yeah. a yeah, yeah. an amazing uh, penthouse he lives in, but it's not practical. Uh, not in my opinion. It's it's cinematically practical, but it makes no sense otherwise. I mean, who who has yeah. standing water in their place? I mean, it just you know. Who doesn't? I have yeah. it down in my basement. <laughs> yeah. Well, that might be a different problem, but right? the, you got to get a sump pump for that. But the uh, <laughs> the uh, you know the water. I mean, again, it all looks great cinematically. The closet he has, where he keeps all of his clothing and stuff, it looks amazing. Uh, I will say that you know any male with a tramp stamp always a bad move. Yeah, right. I saw I saw that one. I was like, ooh, that's <laughs> yeah. that's uh, questionable. That is. <laughs> Maybe it's a cultural thing, but I don't say you know you just don't see that. I'm going to say no. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's a it's a bad look, and you can see him walk around the, his apartment nude and stuff, and, and yeah, you know, it is what it is. But the well, I think that go ahead. I, I was just going to say that you know, kind of the interesting thing here is that what Wook does very smartly is you know once we do meet the villain, I think the film kind of turns. Uh, again, because up until that point, it's been very, very physical. Mm-hmm. And I think that once we get to the villain, you know, he's not really, he's not what we're expecting. You yeah. know, he's not a physical threat in and of himself. Yeah. Uh, because he's totally psychological compared to Odesu. Uh, and, you know, that's the, that's the whole, that's kind of the big thing about the movies. The choice, uh, I think, between revenge or truth. But I think what the beauty is, um, is that, you know, in this movie, they're, basically the same thing right uh revenge and truth are, are you know equivocated i mm-hmm. guess you mm-hmm. could say yeah. uh, and i think that's that's kind of why this film is so well regarded by the both the uh the grindhouse and hard art house sort of crowds yeah is because it, it plays to uh it, it plays to both sides of our brain mm-hmm. and i think that it does it uh, you know very often at the exact same time yeah uh and that's a tough trick yeah that uh, is for for any filmmaker to pull off and i think that's kind of that's kind of where you're kind of going i think uh, with the, the comparison to Clockwork Orange, just being yeah. able to play to both sides of that. At the yeah, same time. I think. I mean, I think that's where the comparison does come from because yeah. Yeah. if you think about it, to me, the vengeance quotient, the vengeance quotient of the movie, he could easily get his revenge. This being the heavy of the film, a lot more simply than locking somebody up for fifteen years and everything else. But then, if you start to dig deep, you start to think to yourself, well. Did he have to create his career? Because evidently he's uh, independently wealthy yep. or something. Uh, and everything is very planned out. And that's where it gets down into where it becomes vengeance, where it becomes movie, movie stuff. Like mm-hmm. everything has to work in accordance to the film. There's no reality really here because everything works out exactly like, the, it's almost like a Bond villain, right? Mm-hmm. Everything works out exactly like he wants it to. Even up well, because, to yeah, good, because this is very much kind of in parable land. Yeah, I think. yeah. And again, if you go into that kind of, I think when I went into it originally, I think I wanted straight up revenge. I wanted, you know, I wanted Charles Bronson with a with a you know forty four Magnum. I wanted you know something like that. But I think if you go back and look at it as pure kind of cinema, it makes total sense, and that's what it really is. It really is a B version of a vengeance film or a revenge movie done in the most cinematic of ways uh, with flashbacks playing with the camera uh, kind of obtuse and strange camera angles to kind of get our characters kind of pathos across to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously there are some, there's two major twists in the movie, which we're not going to talk about because I'm guarantee you there's people out there who haven't seen this movie 
or maybe have never just got around to it or maybe just never wanted to. I would highly recommend they check it out. The twists are dark uh, in, in a sense. And you really, you don't see it coming up to a certain point, but even then you don't see the way it plays out. I don't think you see that coming either. Uh, it's still quite insane the way everything plays out. Uh, especially the uh, the comment of the, the tongue getting somebody pregnant <laughs> and how that all yeah, plays out. Yeah, yeah. How that all plays out. I mean, it's it's really... It's it's a moment of glory and maybe a high point in Korean cinema, at least in modern Korean cinema, uh, that has really stood the test of time. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm really impressed by it to kind of go back and look at it. And I pick movies like this every now and then for us to do because I just I see it and I'm like, you know, I really need to revisit that. And I know you do the same thing sometimes. It's just... You know, sometimes you you see something a couple times, and then like you know, we kind of talked about with the physical media collecting. You think to yourself, "Are you ever going to watch that again?" And then you might see it on your shelf, and you're like, "You know what? I really need to go back and look at Old Boy from 2003." And I don't know why I decided to go back and look at this one because uh, it hadn't been on my radar for a long time. I think it just literally came down to I may have seen uh, Min Sik Choi in something, or I may have just been thinking about Park Chan Wook. But I thought. It'd be fun to kind of talk about this. So I'll kick it over to you, see what your thoughts were on a revisit. I'm assuming you saw this more than once. Uh, I have seen this more than once. Uh, I've probably seen it uh, a couple more times than you have. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I've, I've always, I've never really had a problem with it. I've liked it uh, from uh, from day one, uh, personally. Uh, and that was before, you know, obviously. Uh, Wook became like the, uh, well, I don't want to say household name because that would be putting too fine a point on it, but certainly more well-known uh, sort of uh, filmmaker uh, in this uh, on this side of the pond. Uh, so leave it there. Yeah. Um, he still, so is, yeah, he uh, still uh, doesn't work a lot. Uh, he, It's been a while since he's done anything. Uh, the Handmaiden was, I think, 2017 or 2016. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, and I know that I know I have, I have not seen the handmaiden. It's very good. Uh, I highly recommend the handmaiden. Yes. Yes. Well, then I'm going to be skipping that one. He, uh, uh, he, so yeah, no. he's one of those filmmakers that, uh, you, you see that and you think, I don't want to watch that. And then you watch it and you're like, Whoa, that's some Park Chan-wook shit there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, right. I mean, I know, uh, I know so, he's working on something with, uh, Robert Downey Jr. I know him and Robert Downey Jr. Is are working he? on something. Yeah. Is it Iron Man 4? No, unfortunately. That would be amazing. Are you sure? I wish. <laughs> uh, I would see that Iron Man, no doubt. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Um, so, okay. Uh, so digging in here. Um, and I don't, I don't know that it, there's really going to be much that I'm going to say that's, that's different from what you're saying, but I might be just kind of rambling on here with a few things. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it comes up at the beginning of the movie that Odesu, uh, is, uh, a name, which means getting through one day at a time. Uh, and that's what the character does the entire rest of the film. Uh, I mean, to say that he's not having a good day for 15 years is kind of a, a real kind of an understatement. Um, but the, I think the character is, you know, he's, he's not really a planner. Uh, he's impulsive. And, and like we were saying before, he's very, very selfish. Uh, and that's how he got into this mess in the first place. And I think, you know, because he knows that he can't actually change, that's why he does what he does at the yeah. end. Yeah. Uh, and how that turns out. And that's kind of the long and the short of, uh, of old boy, I think, mm-hmm. is this, this inability 
for people to outgrow their base nature. I think it's kind of a, in a, in a sort of way, it's a very honest but a very cynical sort of uh, look at um, human beings. And I think, you know, that's kind of, I think that the part of the reason why the film became so popular and Wook then became so popular uh, is because, you know, it's just, it, it, he had that ability to be able to state something about human nature, mm. uh, which we knew to be innately true, whether or not we agree with it or not. Right. Um, right. So I think that's, that's very much one of the, uh, the big keys, I think, to, uh, to getting into this movie. Um, I I love that the uh, the painting on the uh, the prison wall there that he has uh, looks like something out of uh, well it looks like something that was done by Joe Joe Coleman uh, <laughs> for those of you who know Joe Coleman um, and it's an example of um, of uh, the Odisu character as as well as you know being like a mirror uh, and in fact it's the the picture is hung directly across from uh, the mirror that he winds up smashing so I think that's very very overt. On uh, on the part of Wook, uh, not the Joe Coleman reference, obviously, but uh, the other piece of it. Uh, it's interesting that the the only real contact. This is one of the things that I kind of love about the, uh, movies and things like this. Uh, when they start getting into, it, is that the only contact that he has with the outside world for fifteen years is television. Uh, and you really kind of have to wonder uh, if Wook is uh, commenting at all mm. on TV's influence on people in general, as well uh, as being the sort of um, dehumanizing agent uh and then you know by extension uh onto stuff like uh surveillance culture in and of itself and especially now uh even further on from you know 2003 and the way that it's gotten where you know you you almost literally cannot walk out on the street uh without having an image of you somewhere somehow uh digitized and, and broadcast somewhere right um you know naturally it's also a, this really really brilliant method uh, that Wook uses of Mark and Time uh, for the viewer. Uh, and, you know, he combines that all with uh, this uh, futile uh, attempt at escape uh, as a, you know, a clever way to, to kind of keep tension up during this, uh, this scene, or I should say the sequence, um, which kind of, uh, you know, I, I get where you're coming from with saying that it, it might drag on a little bit. Uh, but I think that, you know, he, he does do what he can uh, to, uh, to keep you... Uh, sitting there and, and uh, involved in it. Mm-hmm. Um, now here's the thing. I don't know a hell of a lot about the South Korean underground, uh, but the film story does require us to believe, uh, that, uh, you know, private prisons like the one here, uh, do, or at the absolute minimum can exist. Um, you know, I think that, uh, Wook would, could, uh, I think he could have done this more realistically. Mm. Uh, but I think that uh, at heart, he's essentially kind of staging this, this grand opera here. Um, so he's, you know, everything is, you know, heightened, uh, I think, um, across the board to kind of, uh, to kind of strip it down because, you know, funny enough, uh, it makes it easier to believe, uh, when it's, you know, that overblown, uh, I think in a way, uh, and then the rest of the story, um, also requires us to buy that the uh, the random acts uh, that build the film aren't so random, and I think that that's somehow harder to accept, uh, at least for me, because I mean, you really, I mean, and you kind of commented on this yourself once we get to the the, uh, the villain and his whole you know master plan. Um, is it it really does require us to buy a hell of a lot of coincidence, and it requires a hell of a lot of. Um, 
things to line up, even despite uh, this really kind of flimsy um, uh, explanation that uh, that he uses in order to to, to get us to uh, to believe that it it could have happened or it could have been done. Um, and it is, you know, in that way, sort of almost Bond villainy, uh, in a way. Um, and, and so I think, you know, because of all this, um, I think that the movie overall is more, uh, hallucinatory, uh, than I think not only, uh, Chan Wook Park's, you know, other, or yeah, Chan, Chan Park, Chan, Park Chan Wook, there you go. Sorry. My bad. Uh, not only, uh, than his other vengeance film, films uh but also his work in general uh you know because he he throws in stuff like the giant ant he throws in stuff like you know or i should say images like uh the suitcase on this gigantic grass-covered roof uh you know eating a live octopus uh and all of that sort of thing i think that it's very very large in order to enhance uh the thematic metaphors that i think he's got going on here um <laughs> or at least that's the way that i look at it yeah yeah um but this is also you know where the film excels is you know uh, for me, it, there's this constant thing going on here. There's this, uh, it's push and pull, uh, between insanity and enlightenment, uh, between rational civilization and irrational emotion and between, uh, redemption and the price of redemption. Uh, and if that's even possible. Uh, so I think that, you know, we get these really, really intense, uh, introspections. Um, and, you know, let's also mention here that, uh, this film, I think, uh, uses interior monologues far better than David Lynch's Dune or The Octagon uh, combined, um, <laughs> and he uh, he puts these things alongside the you know these very intense moments of violence. Uh, but it fits because the uh, the Odessu character is essentially, I think, uh, watching himself fall apart uh, after being stripped down to his core and being forced to realize that you know it ain't very pleasant. Uh, you know his core is not very pleasant. No. Um, but, you know, I think that Wook uh, is also uh, very adept at being artful, as he is at being entertaining. And we kind of, you know, talked a little bit about this previously. Um, and I think, you know, the the film is, is loaded uh, as much with um, philosophy as it is with uh, humor and violence. Um, and it, it's the sort of thing where it's one of those things where we only really uh, see this sort of thing from Asian filmmakers or at least done right. Uh, from Asian filmmakers, I think, in a lot of ways. And I find it amusing, uh, considering <laughs> the uh, the sophomoric uh, levels of comedy uh, and much of the uh, the genre output uh, from countries like uh, China and Japan uh, that, that uh, cinephiles are, are used to seeing. Um, but here, I think a lot comes down to uh, timing and reactions in this regard. So just one example. Uh, there's this extreme long shot of the uh, the delivery boy biking up a hill. And only after, you know, he's completely pedaled off screen uh, for like maybe a beat or two, uh, do we get this really crazed, you know, Odessu character, uh, you know, just careening up the hill after him. Um, and this kind of thing it really, really works for me um, yeah, because yeah. it kind of it, can, it kind of keeps the entertainment value there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it's certainly, you know, something that I think has become more prominent in cinema generally uh, and, and genre cinema specifically. But it's just one of those things that always kind of stands out to me. Uh, is these these quiet moments that are then you know kind of uh, stapled onto these really you know violent outbursts for either comedic or horrific uh, ends, uh, and by and large I think they tend to work. But um, 
So, uh, what else we got here? Uh, so yeah, uh, then we get the, uh, the, uh, you know, by the time we hit the the movie's ending there, we get the, the big reveal. Uh, and I think that it's interesting there because now we've, we kind of have to reevaluate what's happened before, uh, how we viewed all of that in that moment. And obviously I think that, you know, even after several viewings of this movie, um, I don't think that honestly, I don't think that any of this has really lost any of its impact. Uh, or its ability to kind of jar uh, the viewer, certainly not me. Yeah. Uh, I think the the part of this is because of uh, Wook's desire to subvert the revenge subgenre while simultaneously satisfying it. Uh, And and it's kind of almost in that way like a satire Mm -hmm. uh, that – you know, still manages to be a really strong example of the thing that it's satirizing, which I've said previously and many times in the past, uh, that, you know, satire and parody and all those sort of things for me only really work when they are actually good examples of the thing that they're sending up. Uh, and I think that that's very, very much the case here. Um, I don't think the film is, is, you know, perfect in this regard because, you know, that's, that's kind of tough to pull off for even, I think the best filmmakers, uh, but I think that, you know, at the end of the day, I think that uh, uh, Wook comes about as close as any filmmaker possibly can. Mm. Um, and I give it a, I give him a hell of a lot of credit for that. I mean, like I said before, I, I don't have any of the uh, I don't really have uh, any any major, major issues with this movie, uh, aside from a few pacing things uh, and aside from just, you know, it, it is a lot to it is a lot to swallow, uh, so to speak. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so I mean, yeah, I mean, if if you can, if you can go along with certain things and accept certain things, I think you will have more, um, you will get more out of it. You will have more impact from the movie than, um, than if, uh, if you're not willing to buy into these things. Um, and I think that for people who, uh, somehow, (laughs) And I find this kind of funny to even say, uh, like their action more American, uh, which I mean, in and of itself is a ridiculous statement. Um, you know, I, I think that you're going to not really get as much out of this. Right. Uh, you kind of right. have to be in the mindset, uh, for this, uh, for this movie to work for you. Um, but that's it. I mean, I, I love it. I love yeah. this movie. Uh, is it, uh, Wook's best? Ah, that's a tough question. Uh, I'm not a fan of uh, of Stoker as much as you are. I could tell you that. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, you know, I mean, the Vengeance trilogy in and of itself are three fantastic movies. Um, I I kind of lean more towards Lady Vengeance Mm -hmm. as far as being a favorite. Uh, But this one is certainly up there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's his best film either. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. No. I'd, I'd really have to sit down and think about that. I would kind of tend to say no. Uh, I mean, I get why uh, it's as well regarded as it is. Yeah. I completely get that. Um, but you know, I also don't think that, that necessarily makes it. Uh, you know, puts it above uh, other stuff that yeah. I think you know, deserves a little bit more of uh, standing. JSA is pretty great. So you know. Thirst is is complicated, but I like thirst quite a thirst bit. Thirst is very complicated, but yes, yeah, it, well, that also has uh, Song Kang Ho. So yeah, yeah, that always gives every movie an extra point. Ah, uh, yeah, it does, because <laughs> he is easily one of the best uh, actors of a generation. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, I'll be curious if you check out The Handmaiden. Let me know what you think of it. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I'll say this about the twist of the story. It's one of those twists where you think, okay, I see what happened. And then they stick it in and twist it just a little bit further. Mm-hmm. And I won't say what. And uh, it's 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 like a great revenge motif amplified and on drugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then the then the moment of payback with some awfulness and a tape recorder is just like I mean, how much further can you go? It's like, you know, it's like vengeance for vengeance's sake on top of vengeance with a mm-hmm. with a waffle bun for more vengeance. It's it's crazy. Uh, anyway, uh, make or break for me. This is uh, this is kind of tough because there's a lot of great moments in this movie. Uh, there really is. Um, I think the hallway scene is definitely the standout scene as far as that goes. And, you know, obviously previous to that, the hammer on the tooth moment is uh, one that will either grind your gears or do something <laughs> to you. It's pretty it's pretty repulsive, though. Uh, it's hard to watch. Um, even though he doesn't show that much, it's just the implication of it. You know, it's like, Oh my God. Uh, it's one of those type of things. Um, I'm going to go with, I think probably one of my favorite moments in the film. It's a quiet moment in this movie. And it's the moment where, uh, Odessu and the girl have, it's post coital and the, gentleman the bad gentleman there he shows up in the uh, drugged room and just lays there next to him for whatever reason that moment really sticks with me i don't know if it's the gas mask or my love of slipknot i don't know what's going on <laughs> but <laughs> oh that was <laughs> but it's uh it's there and I, it's quite a creepy scene and i like it quite a bit uh in a in a movie full of arguably great scenes right i mean the scene of him, the editing and the scene of him running around in his memories is pretty insane. It's pretty great. Uh, MVT, uh, I'm going to go with Park Chan-wook on this one. As much as I like Min Sik Choi in this film, uh, this is Park Chan-wook's baby, and uh, I really love it. Uh, I've come to love it more and more as I've watched it. It's one of the ones that just keeps becoming more and more profound as it goes along, and I'll give it a 9 out of 10. I like it a lot. Whoa. Hi-yo. hi uh yeah so uh make a break for me i'm gonna go i am gonna go with the finale i think that it's you know it's uh it's a nice little gut punch um but i think that it's also one of those things that will absolutely test the viewer's involvement in the film completely um for various reasons uh mvt yeah i'm gonna go with wook uh i think that you know obviously this is this is his baby uh Choi Min-sek, I mean, obviously he he brings a lot to it, as do all the actors in this thing. But uh, I think end of the day, uh, you know, it, this is Wook 100%. Uh, and score for me, I'm uh, lower than you on this one, but still, you know, highly regarded, 8 out of 10. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have at you. Have at ya. All right, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back and discuss, let me read this title again, My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To. There we go. Mine can't either. (laughs) My mind doesn't work unless I read it. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll be back right after this. My heart can't beat, baby. Baby. Unless you tell it to. 
go. Tell me to. All right. A little singing for me this morning. You don't hear that very often. All right. Uh, my heart can't beat unless you tell it to. Uh, this is uh, Will's selection for this week. And with this one is directed by Jonathan, I'm going to say Quartus. Quartus? Quartus? I don't know. Maybe it might just be Cartus for all I know. Um, recent release. Uh, looks like it was made last year, but I think it's got picked up this year by good friend Joe, right? Uh, he's got a little label. Yeah. It's got a little label. I don't know if you want to speak to that any or not. Uh, I've known about it a little bit, but I'm not as in as much communication with Joe as you are. So yeah, Joe and I speak, um, he's, you know, busy too, but we speak now and then a lot of times through, um, social media and so forth. Um, but I remember he had talked about this film uh, with me. I think he'd while well, he was something he had posted something about it. I had said, "Wow, this this sounds fantastic!" And uh, he had just said, "I think you'd you'd really dig it." And I said, "Well, you know what? Um, uh, sold, right?" Because yeah. Joe, you know, Joe and I like a lot of the same stuff, and. Um, yeah, and it's uh, yeah something that I thought, okay, cool. You know what? Let's. I think we're always trying to um, line for things that you know maybe we haven't seen in a while, like different things thematically or otherwise. And yeah, Joe's recommendation in, in short was uh, was good enough for me. So. Yeah, yeah. I think part of it, you know, is you know we've over the years we've done new films, uh, usually kind yeah, of yeah. buzzworthy films or films we felt like people should probably check out stuff like Bronson stuff sure. like, uh, uh, drive, which we did early. Uh, I know a lot oh, of people yeah. like drive, but, uh, we did that in early. We did, uh, we did, we've done a lot of reffing films, which is always kind of weird, but we've always done, we haven't done any. Well, actually we did. We did a uh, neon demon not too long ago. And that was a newer one as well. So yeah. over the years we've done some newer films. Um, and it's fun to do those every now and then, especially ones that are kind of underseen. And uh, independent, and that is definitely the case here. This is definitely an independent film. Uh, basic plot synopsis here. Two mysterious siblings find themselves at odds over care for their frail and sickly younger brother. Um, I don't know who wants to lead on this one. Uh, Will, I don't know if you want to or if uh, Todd is interested uh, or if not, I can do it. It doesn't matter. Uh, I know it's a, a uh, total uh, toss-up sometimes between the three of us but uh, whoever feels like they got a lot to say go ahead I, I if not i can do it <laughs> uh i will i will just out of sort of the kind of unwritten rule of defer at least because i picked it but if you guys um i'll i'll go ahead because i really don't have a whole hell of a lot of notes okay if that's okay yeah that's fine yeah let's do it okay uh, so the movie is very much about uh, familial obligations, doing what needs to get done. So you know, um, the Jesse character in this thing, who is the sole female character uh, in the in the picture, uh, well, pretty much, uh, basically turns off her heart, moves with her head, uh, at least as far as uh, the Tommy character is concerned. And I think that she cares for her family in this way, uh, but she's also very much uh, a martyr. Uh, in a very sort of selfish mindset for the most part. And I think that's a lot of uh, what's going on here because she wears the pants. She calls the shots. Um, the uh, the older brother, uh, who's kind of our main character, 
uh, very clearly doesn't want the responsibility, even though he's also very clearly, you know, he does care uh, for the uh, the Owen Campbell character, the um, the younger brother. Uh, so you know, he will go out. He he frequents a, a hooker. Uh, who he tries to connect with and he can't because he has nothing to connect with. He has no life experience. Um, you know, he, he talks about how he's never seen a beach and all this sort of thing. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, he is his namesake. He's uh, because this is the character's name is Dwight. Uh, and he's, he is essentially Dwight Fry. He's Renfield. Um, he serves his master, but unlike Renfield, uh, he doesn't want to be like uh, his master or masters for that matter. Um, uh, music, I think, plays a large part of the large uh, um, role in in the film. Excuse me. Uh, like the uh, the sister, uh, the Jesse character, she sings along uh, with the titular uh, song uh, of the uh, the picture. She plays the organ. Uh, the, you know, the Owen Campbell character, if he finds a harmonica, the older brother Dwight, he plays guitar, he buys a karaoke machine. Uh, and the way that I looked at it was that this is the, the sole contact that these characters make with the outside world. And, and, and yet it's still, um, very impersonal because music, I mean, and I think that we would all agree with this, uh, music is very much a shared experience. Um, yeah. or at least not, you know, simply, uh, you know, something that we we keep solely to ourselves i mean the whole point of uh, music is to share it with other people uh but you know here it's it's strictly within the family uh but at the same time it's, it's sort of this uh kind of uh, reaching out that the, the, the only way that they really kind of reach out in any yeah. sort of an emotional fashion yeah it's the way they, uh, it's the their, way they, it's their safe space yeah. from uh, from everyone else including uh the other members of the other family is the way yeah. that i looked at it yeah the way they connect yeah right i mean you know it that's the way I see music in this music is the way they connect. And, uh, yes, there's yes. that little game they play, which is kind of fun. Um, that, uh, shows how, the, how, how deep that connection goes. Yeah. 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 Um, it's, it's kind of funny to me that the, uh, the Fugit character, uh, disagrees, uh, the, the Dwight character disagrees with the, with what, you know, they're doing, uh, but at the same time, nobody ever suggests that they should maybe take Owen to, you know, let's say a doctor uh, or something. Um, that is, if in fact he is sick and, you know, uh, I found it kind of interesting that the quickest comparison that you can make to this movie uh, is, uh, well, I think would be to uh, to George Romero's Martin. Uh, if the uncle character in that one was actually helping Martin out. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, but that being said, uh, I also think that Martin is a better movie, uh, because I think, you know, for me, Martin is about, uh, the sickness of the character rather that rather than the, um, the tribulations, uh, of those surrounding him. Um, not that I think that, that, you know, both aren't valid points of view, uh, in the way that they, uh, they approach the, uh, the, the subject, uh, of vampirism. Um, I think that this is well. I don't think this is a uh, a real slow burn of a movie. Uh, I think that if uh, if you're looking for plot, you need to look elsewhere uh, because this movie is uh, just about entirely about um, angst and navel gazing uh, as just about you know everything that uh, is slapped with the uh, the label indie horror is. Uh, and this is kind of you know putting aside the fact that. 
or maybe just ignoring uh, that films like uh, Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street and Halloween were essentially uh, indie horror at one point in time, uh, which is an entire discussion that you could have about the change in the labeling uh, of indie horror over time. Um, but, you know, this is what, when when somebody says indie horror to me, this is the sort of movie that I think of, uh, for better or yeah. worse. Um, and then, you know, in that sense, then it's also very formal uh, and still uh, mm-hmm. in yeah. a technical sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, just about the whole thing, even when even what little action there is, uh, is pretty much shot in tableau. Right. Uh, and so, you know, because I didn't want to say mise en scène today. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, this yeah. extends then to the characters who are very much uh, inactive, very mumbly uh, until they're not. And, you know, and even when they're being active. They're very, very matter of fact about everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we get the usual, you know, sort of indie horror drone on the soundtrack that all these movies seem to share. Um, and that, that, that seems to be, uh, for me, you know, and, and maybe this is just a peccadillo of mine, I don't know. Uh, or just maybe something that I notice. I, I, I'm way too tired to really get that far into the weeds on it. But uh, there seems to be a very prominent trend in horror which has really, really leaned into being interior. Uh, and it's not that I don't think that it could be effective, mm-hmm. uh, but I do think that uh, it gets as overdone as CG does in big budget movies. So, yeah. you know, I, I like this movie uh, and I do like movies like this. And I do think, you know, they should be seen and supported, obviously, you know, when they're, when they have, you know, quality to them, but in the same sense, uh, you know, I like cheeseburgers and pizza, but don't think that they should be every single meal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know what? What I guess I'm getting at is that I, I've sort of developed a natural resistance to films in this style, even though I, I I appreciate what they're doing. But I just I just for me I don't get much out of them by and large. And maybe that's just me. You know, maybe that makes me a philistine. I don't know because you know I love Chud. So I mean, you know, it's that sort of thing, but there there seems to be this 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 idea in in independent uh, filmmaking and especially independent horror filmmaking, where you know th- they tend to think that, or maybe maybe I just think that they tend to think that you know, being still and whispering everything is the same thing as building dread and atmosphere, and I don't think that that's the case. Uh, and especially, I don't think that's the case when it when it gets overused. And I think that these things do get overused. Uh, and so, I mean, I mean, maybe I'm damning with faint praise here. I don't think that I am because I, I mean, like I said, I do like this movie. I think it's worth seeing. Yeah. Um, but I think that if you're expecting much out of the main, uh, I think you're going to be disappointed. I, I, you know, you should absolutely know what you're getting with this movie and with movies like this because it it is this is exactly what it looks like in the trailer. Hmm. Uh, so I think that if you know that you like this type of thing, then this is the type of thing that you're going to like. Uh, me, I tend towards ambivalence on this sort of, uh, on this sort of material. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, by the time I got through with this thing, I wasn't particularly blown away or disappointed. Um, because from, from my perspective, this movie really just held no surprises whatsoever for me. Uh, no revelations. It's uh, it's slickly made. Um, it's solidly done, uh, and that was about it. Mm. 
Um, you know, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't really wind up. I think this is almost kind of the worst thing that I can say is that I just really kind of wound up feeling nothing, uh, by the end or very, very little, Mm. uh, by the end. I didn't really care about the characters. I didn't care what happened to them. Um, uh, not that they're poorly written or poorly developed. I just, I, I found no connection. I found Mm. no connection to these, to these, uh, to these characters, I found no real connection to this movie, uh, and um, yeah, I mean, again, I don't want to say it's horrible because I don't think it's horrible. I do think it's it's actually a, a pretty darn good movie, but I just I found myself just isolated from it, mm. uh, and I mean that this is this to me is the state of independent horror is I find no connection to it, right. uh, and this was just an extension then of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I wound up, uh, coming in on it. So, uh, rather than keep laboring this, uh, this horse and beating it into paste, uh, <laughs> I will, uh, pass it over to one of you guys. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll say this about the movie. It definitely has the independent horror feel that we're kind of going through right now. I sure. totally agree with you on that. Um, I will say that I, the film has a strong opening and then it kind of gets into a world of questions. And so I'm sitting there watching it and I'm kind of contemplating what's going on, first of all, and why is it going on? And then I start to question things like, you know, how far do you go? Things like that. But while I'm doing all that, and this is probably where we'll agree the most. I mean, the only character I really don't, I don't know if I don't, this is a weird thing to say. And I don't know, again, it, it kind of left me confused uh, in a good way. And I want to forthright say that I'm with Todd. I think this is a good film as well. I really do. Uh, and I do think it's worth seeing. Uh, definitely. Um, it's one It's one of those movies that I would end up owning at some point. Uh, it's definitely one of those. But it's definitely a movie, too, that has you contemplating things the whole time and, and maybe not even understanding why you're contemplating those things and having a difficult time kind of getting behind some motivation of a character now in saying that i will i do think the closest you can get to some type of emotional resonance in this film is the patrick fugit character at least in that way you can see that he is trying maybe not trying very hard but certainly trying to escape in some way well, here's the thing. Here's the thing is that you, you know if you're if we're gonna if we're gonna do that, then you kind of have to. If we're gonna pretend that this character has a history and these characters have a history, obviously, how did he get to this point in his life mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and not have these questions beforehand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that especially with the extremity of the situation. Yeah. How has that? I mean, that's why I said you know how has nobody said maybe we should take this guy to a doctor yeah. has anybody thought about that like, yeah like the real world doesn't exist in this movie yeah yeah well i i, I don't know i don't i don't know, I don't know if it needs to though i think you well, know yeah, we no, do it does need to because it, it's it's uh, treating these things realistically well to a degree it is but at the same time i think in life a lot of us do things and go through the motions and don't have lights go off in our head until we're burned out and checked out and we keep trudging on and then Finally, we reach a point where I say, okay, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. People go through marriages. This, even though it's brother and sister, it, it feels to me like a loveless marriage where they're carrying on for the sake of their child. Um, yeah. And ultimately, 
They've sacrificed well, their lives right, but, for this but life. They, but the, the film treats it like this is a brand new thing that, you know, it hasn't. It, it treats it like, yeah, it's been going on since forever. But, you know, yeah. the, but at the same time, it's like all of a sudden you realize that killing people and draining their blood is wrong. Now, all of a sudden, you I, realize I don't know. That you, I interpret it that way. I, I, I feel like he turned out on doing it. And I think he had a moment where it got a lot messier than it wanted to, which made it uncomfortable. It made him question things. Yeah. At that point, I think it was that he didn't know there was something morally or ethically wrong with it. Yeah. No, he accepted it. You know, I, I think I think that the first time it happens in the movie, I think already he's already kind of going that. And I think this is what it's trying to say, and I don't think it says it very well, but I think what it's trying to say is I think that the Fugit character, Fugit, is it Fugit or is it Fugit? I think it's Fugit. I, I believe it's Fugit. Yeah. I say Fugit, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Because it's, it's Tempest Fugit, so that's what I go with. Yeah, we'll go with Fugit. I think that, and again, this is my interpretation, okay? I don't know if the filmmaker's trying to say this. Clearly, he might not be saying this because Todd didn't get this out of this, and I don't know what Will got out of it yet. But here's where, and here's where I'll say, I'll say that I think that he has fallen in love with the prostitute, and yeah. in doing so, now suddenly other people's lives somehow seem like they might have a meaning, even if they are "quote unquote" meaningless lives. Yeah, See, because I, I didn't get that. And the reason why I, I get that is because he kid they they get another guy. Right, this uh, immigrant uh, that's coming over to work, and I'm guessing the movie's set in California. Again, nothing's ever really kind of explained, and I, I do think I, I don't know if it needs to explain itself, but I do wish it would have explained itself a little bit more. I, I'm not. Well, but that's this is this is again this is, again gets to one of my kind of nitpicks mm-hmm, is that mm-hmm. you know this is this sort of thing where you know yeah it, it does it says nothing mm-hmm. so it leaves it open to you and that's fine. So long as there's, you know, so long as you actually get something out of it. And for yeah. me, it just doesn't. Yeah. And I think that that is the state of the, these kinds of films now. I, 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 so I have another theory, too, in watching it. And it's definitely that kind of movie. It's definitely the kind of movie you watch and you think about after you watch it a little bit. It, it, it's, not a, it's not the kind of film that I think you'll think about for years. But it's the kind of movie no. that I watched and I thought about it for a little bit. And then when I get to the end of it, I'm like... Okay, so maybe they knew all along. Maybe this was what this was all along. Maybe they made this deal. Maybe they were ultimately scared of this little brother. I don't know. Uh, there's nothing that ever really sells us on the fact that the little brother uh, with the health problems is is truly dangerous. He seems feeble all the no. time. So yeah. there, there, there's some confusion there. So what I really kind of walk away from this is I believe the future character wants to get out because of the love angle, but... I don't think the movie clearly, and this is where I agree with you, Todd. I don't think the movie clearly defines itself. I don't think it does. And I don't think that's, I mean, I I totally agree with that criticism. I mean, I I completely agree with you on that. Um, I think you have to bring some definition of your own, but again, that's not always on an audience member. A lot of people are going to go to a movie and they're going to be like, tell me what, tell me a story. This is oh, not, and that's fine. But remember, but just you know, I think that you know, you need to bear in mind that when when filmmakers do that, then they are you know, it's pretty much a crapshoot. Then because yeah, there's going to be jerks like me who you know turn away from it, and there's going to be other folks who you know 
investigate it or imbue it with a little bit more, or maybe, maybe maybe that's given it more credit than it deserves. I don't know. Yeah, but that's fine. It's it, it it that's the thing. I mean, we all know it's not going to be one size fits all. I don't need the explanation. Some people may want it or feel it's yeah. Well, it's not, not, it's not that it's not that I want. It's not that I want the explanation. I would just like some explanation. Yeah, sure. And you know, sure. I, well, I mean, I think when, when you just when you, when you well, listen I mean, when you leave me when you leave me hanging, then I'm going to respond as if I'm hanging. Yeah, yeah. But and I, that's what I get out of me, and that's what I get out of this movie and movies like this. Yeah. And again, it's not right. to say that I didn't like it because I did like it. But I think that yeah. you know, it's just this is symptomatic of you know the 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 trend which I don't particularly. It just does nothing for me. It does not attract me. It does not. Uh, repel me it just leaves me with a total like meh whatever yeah yeah, yeah. I, do, I do agree that that is part and parcel with the state of what sort of has transitioned to become indie horror but in saying that for me i was quite content to leave a lot of the stuff to fill it in as i saw fit yeah which again i, I, I i'm well, again and, I, and that can vary from I think I think right. that that's what independent films do, though. I think that they lead to conversations like this, and they they lead to conversations of, you know, did the director, did the filmmaker, did the screenwriter, in this case, being all three, uh, did did they tell the story to my benefit or not? Obviously, for Todd, some of it didn't work. Some of it doesn't work what for me say? either. Yeah, um, very clear. I feel like it's not very clear what it's trying to to tell almost the entire runtime uh i enjoyed the movie as well uh like todd is saying and i think it's a good movie i really do i mean i i I would tell people to check it out um I, i i find some of the stuff i struggled with with the movie is mostly in it's not a very long film. I think it was a 90 minute movie maybe. And the pacing is a little off. Uh, it's a little slower than I would like. Uh, it, there's moments when I really want to spend time with these characters. And then there's moments when I didn't want to spend time with these characters at all. Um, I don't think, I don't know. Again, it's it's one of those things. I, it's really hard to talk about because I don't know how much the director, and he is the storyteller, and this is an independent film, so this is total control by him, as far as I know, mm-hmm. unless a studio gets involved or something. I don't know how much of the real world he even needed to bring into the movie or even wanted to outside of the fugit character wanting to escape. And I think that leaves that general kind of distaste of not explaining enough. Again, I don't need a lot of explanation either. Matter of fact, I, you know, we just talked about, I just mentioned Bronson a minute ago, right? The Reffin film. It has no explanation yeah. whatsoever. Here's, but, here's the thing. Hold on. Here's the thing. If we're going to treat what this film is about narratively, like plot-wise, if we're going to treat it in a realistic fashion as this movie does, then it needs to acknowledge that it's set in the real world. Mm. That's my kind of nitpick on it. Yeah, no, well, that's a that's a real that's a relevant nitpick. That's that's what I'm basically trying to say. What I'm saying is, I don't know by doing that if he's explaining himself the way he really meant to, and it, it led to confusion for me. Uh, there were moments when I was completely confused. And then there, you know, I get to the end and I'm like, okay, well, maybe everybody knew all along. Maybe this is some type of, uh, 
you know, hopefully this isn't a spoiler by saying this, but hey, maybe this is some type of interview with a vampire type thing or or something else that I don't understand quite relatively or quite frankly. Um, that's, I, it, it's hard to talk about without completely telling you everything about the movie, but yes. at the same time. But it's, it's such a huge portion of. It is. It, it, at the same, everything. Yeah. That, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's very difficult. Yeah. At the same time, there's some things about it that did kind of drive me a little wonky. Uh, the female character is so unlikable. Uh, even in her sympathy, in some ways, she's almost completely unlikable as a character. I mean, she's fine. Don't get me wrong. I can I can put up with a lot in a movie. But yeah. she, well, you you get it. But at the same time, it's just like eh, yeah, okay. she borders on psychotic though. And I guess yes, she I guess yeah. she would have to be. To yeah, do well, some of the things it, it, it that they do. It's for the movie, I think. Yeah, it does. See, it's so funny you say that because that seems to have been just in the little reading I had done about the film. I, I tried to go on cold. Was that she's framed that way and, and perceived that way? Whereas, if I'm being completely honest, maybe it was because I haven't watched anything that's more kind of this is more of an adult film. Like this isn't one I'm going to throw with my kids. No. Um, you know, there is some realistic violence and some kind of grim morality stuff in there. But I, to be completely honest, never perceived her that way. And I don't know what that says about me, mm. but I well, looked at it more. And again, I'm in the minority here uh, because of anything I've read based on what you guys have said. Um, just more as someone who's frayed and has to take charge because they have to keep things together. Because yeah, yeah. Fugit is just kind of floating along through life and he's doing some of the heavy lifting, certainly, but she has to be the one, the engine that drives this thing to keep it going. And sometimes that's a very thankless task. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I could see that. But I could see that. Uh, angle, but again, I'm in the minority. It's just, it's funny that that revel, that wasn't something that I dawned on me. Yeah. Which is kind of odd in, in retrospect. I think it's, well, but you do get, you do get a heavy, you do get a heavy sort of, I mean, if, if the movie did not wind up being as literal as it first pretends not to be, you would almost mm -hmm. get the feeling that this would be like, sort of like a phantom thread sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Sure. In a way, which is yeah, how yeah, I, which is how yeah. I originally was approaching the, uh, the film and the character. That's odd. Yeah. You, it's odd. You mentioned that because yeah. she's in phantom thread actually. <laughs> is she? she is yeah. Very, yeah she's oh, there you go. Yeah. That's very there you fun. go. It's funny that you mentioned that one. Yeah. She was born. Um, she was born in Pincher Creek too, which uh, I just visited about 15 minutes oh, before yeah. we started this nope. review. Where is that? Uh, it's right uh, about, yeah, yeah. about a half an hour ago. It <laughs> yeah. was in my bathroom. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, <laughs> it's, it's in a loaf. Um, but uh, but yeah, no. I I mean, I I get I get the why of of why she she I get the the why of why she behaves the way that she does. Uh, I completely get that. Yeah. Um, it, I, I could understand. I could understand. But you see, the but I, what I would take issue with would then be the just the performance because it's this usual. I mean, that and that's the problem with for me is it you know everything everything is just usual. It's the usual disaffected mm, this, mm, the yeah. usual disaffected that, the usual distance this. Uh, okay, yeah, great. I've been there, done that. You know, give me something. 
Give me mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. Give yeah. me fucking life. Give me some energy. No, no, no. Because horror is about being quiet and still, and that's dread. And that's no. It's not always. Not. It can be. Certainly. Yes. Yeah. Not every fucking time. Yeah. And that's that's where I kind of you know I kind of get my my dander up a little bit. Yeah. And kind of dig my heels in. Well, I think maybe to, maybe to an unhealthy degree. I will admit. Um, but at the same time, I mean, that's, that's how these things generally tend to leave me. And that's kind of then the, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The anticipation, I guess, that I get out of, out of these sort of things. Yeah. I think that horror more than maybe any other genre, obviously they've often said is a reflection of times, but it's certainly a reflection of culture at a time. And certainly, certainly. certainly we're going through a time where horror for whatever reason, and uh i don't understand it quite frankly i haven't really looked into it that much because i don't really dig as deep as i used to but we are going through a quiet time i don't know if it's budgetary or if it's uh just the type of horror films that are made i mean a lot of the big a lot of the horror films that are making a lot of money I, i would grab i would go towards humanoids from the deep or piranha before i would go towards uh something of this sure but that's a but that's a big idea done cheaply uh, I don't sure. think I don't think I don't think this is a big idea. I think this is a small idea done cheaply, and I think that's where we're. I think that's where we're at right now. I think that you know with the like insidious films. And, well, it's a, it's a big idea done. It's a, it's a small idea done cheaply, but it's meant to be universal in the sense that we all you know have these sorts of issues. We all have family strife. We all have, well, yeah. most of us. Do. Some, some type uh, of we obligation. Have, we all have certain tensions within our families. Sure. We all, we all feel at some point or another that, you know, we're put upon by the, the nuisance that is our, our siblings or our parents or our this or our that or our children or what have you. That's what this film is getting at. And I yeah. get that. And yeah. I, you know, I completely, it's obligations, obligations, oh, I all this. Yeah. Yeah, and I I just think I mean to me this is the brethren, the kind of offspring of those kind of movies that have made a lot of money lately. That uh, you know the Insidiouses and the Conjurings and the you know everybody's talking about Malignant right now and stuff. It's the you know those ideas done in these haunted house films, which just seems to be. And this isn't really a haunted house film. It's almost like a. Uh, it's almost like it kind of goes back to. It's not as good as like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, but it's almost like a be, behind the closed doors of a normal, you know, home type of deal. What's the horrors that go on there? There's some things about it that I think are really well done. The brief moment where he throws the paper airplane, they cover him with a blanket. I think it's genius. That was a genius shot. I really like that shot. I like that moment. Uh, and obviously I like the payoff of the movie because it had me contemplating things. Um, but I do think, you know, the pacing's a little off. I didn't love the performances. Uh, overall, I, th- I thought they were good. They were good for what they were and stuff. Fugit's really good. I really like him in the movie. Uh, but, but I, but I feel also that his character has the most to gain throughout the whole story. And so by default, in some ways, his character kind of comes across. But here's what I'll say. I'll say this and I'll just kind of wrap it up. I think Jonathan Quartus is a talented guy. And I think we're probably going to see some better films from him. I don't think this is a bad film in any way, shape or form. Uh, it certainly feels like a festival film, and uh, I think that it's a good calling card for him. And hopefully, you know, he'll get more work out of it because I do think he made a good-looking movie, uh, even though I know it's very bland uh, and for what it is. But 
I, I, I just, I agree with Todd in some ways. I think I needed a little bit more on the story side. And, uh, yeah, I'll kick it over to Will. Okay. So I think part of the lack of fatigue maybe I have or also comes from the fact that I, I haven't had the opportunity to watch. No, and I don't want to take anything away from this film because I like this film. Uh, and it's, it feels very on brand, I guess. You know, if someone was to say, here's the film, which one of the three guys picked it? I think it would be anyone who's listened to our show long enough to know how it would be. Um, but I hadn't watched it like this in a long time. So I think I just, I was able to settle into it in a way that it didn't, I wasn't fatigued on some of the, the tropes and some of the stuff that um, maybe independent horror has uh, relied on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it kind of has this cold opening, right? And you're kind of unsure what's happening and quickly you're just kind of working to scramble and piece things together. And uh, for me, I liked the, to me, the, the, the dread and the, the tension and the anxiety, the gloom that hung over the film. Uh, it worked well. And it, same thing with the score. I thought the score did work well. It, it wasn't overly intrusive. Um, you know, it was effective. It could have effective droning. Uh, it was sort of subtly relentless, which I feel like is, is probably communicating pretty effectively about the lifestyle they have to live, live right? It's, it's just, it, it never ends. And I think sometimes when you're stuck, you're caring for people or you just, life has a way sometimes of being hard and being mundane and this is taken to certain extremes but uh, I think it, it, it's an effective look at that through sort of more or less uh, from a technical standpoint yeah like we talked about a little bit off the air shooting in 4-3 I think is effective because it enhances the feeling of claustrophobia it enhances the just kind of on top of each other nature of things of uh, feeling sort of walled into life, even when you're you're outside of the house, um, you're just kind of stuck in in the oppressiveness of, of life. Uh, there's a really effective drab sort of color palette. It kind of shifts uh, at times with some of the softer moments, like the Christmas stuff and so forth, and almost like this. There's this warmth, this drab warmth in the lighting. It almost has this amber glow. Like a boomy kind of feel, which I think is pretty effective. Uh, you know, the vampires I've seen, I've never seen something as kind of kitchen sinky practical as an can with a, a hose bib on it for blood. Um, one of those things I think I'm surprised I've never seen before. Um, I appreciated the nuts and bolts kind of impracticalities or the grind of what they had to do, the digging, the cleaning, the laundry, and just how that would wear on you, right? It, it's, you know, you get to see little other vampire films, stuff like, uh, is it Martin? I always mix up Martin and uh, Martin's the one I'm thinking of, right? The Romero one? Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. Martin or Let the Right One In. They, you see kind of kitchen sinky vampire stuff in those as well. Um, I uh, unlike uh, I would say unlike you guys, but I, I enjoyed all the performances. Uh, I thought Fugitive was really good. Uh, I think he's he's a guy that's he's probably only what like late thirties now. 
Yeah, maybe. He was very young, I believe, when Almost Famous hit. Of course, that movie's older yeah, than we probably think it is at this point. 20-plus 20, 20 years old now, right? Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's an older film than we think it is. I guarantee you that. I haven't looked it up, but um, yeah, I don't even know if I want to. I'm scared to. Well, I know, right? I don't know how much it's aged. It, it, it was, you know, dark at the time, but hard to say. Uh, yeah, this has kind of a very sort of, I don't know. I think you said California. I kind of get maybe it's just I drop things on this Appalachian kitchen sinky aesthetic. Um, Definitely had a Pacific Northwest feel. Some some type of California, yeah, like an Oregony. I think it's trying Utah actually. It's trying Utah. Yeah. I think. So there you go. You know, not too far from that. What's the what's the? Uh, I think it was Mexican. The the cannibal film. We are what we are. Is that what it is? Uh, yeah, I believe it is. We are. So well, we are, yeah, Chile, so, Chilean, yeah. Chilean, Chilean. No, I was going to say Chilean too, man. I, I, I love their sea bass. <laughs> Chilean sea bass is pretty tasty. Yeah, fine sea bass. <laughs> so yes, Fugit was born in '82. So he's getting up he's there. He's forty. Yeah. Uh, he's got the dad bod going. Right. He's he's there, man. Yeah, yeah. No, he, yeah. it's a good looking beard, and you know. I, He's worked, you know, quite a bit over the uh, ever since Almost Famous. Uh, he just, stuff, right? yeah, he just tends to do a lot of smaller stuff, a lot of TV stuff like that. He's not that. a bankable guy, right? He's just, no, you know, I don't think so. I mean, he's very much a certain kind of guy. But I believe yeah, he was I in like that. Uh, he was in that uh, film out that Chazelle film I liked uh, recently, that First Man film with. Uh, oh, with, with Gosling. Yeah, yeah, he was in that. Yeah, I, I got I just saw him so. just not too long ago with that, and then. He's been in some other stuff, usually indie darling type stuff, but he works with you know yeah. big big directors as well. So no, small. yeah, no, he's good though. But this kind of reminded me of We Are What We Are a little bit too, um, just with the the kind of the rigidity of of sort of this ritual and impressiveness with family life and the weight of obligation, the hopelessness, and like the hope in the horrors of their life. Yeah. Uh, it's obligation. Like it is obligation as horror. I mean, uh, yeah. obviously, yeah. you know, all of us have obligations and everybody can decipher what's more important to themselves. Uh, you know, it's easy to sit inside of a anywhere and, and think that, well, I'd never do that. That's easy to say. Um, you never know what you're going to do. It just depends on what kind <laughs> yeah. of, what you yeah it depends on what you know how your how the gears are put brought down upon you i would say to say that you know i mean because i know guys that had better lives than i did growing up and you know some of those guys are in jail and some of those guys are dead now yep. <laughs> so yep. so that, you know and i had a terrible childhood of abuse yeah. and you know guns pointed at me and everything and i turned out pretty okay so you just never really know what life's going to kind of throw throw at you no it's true it's very true. Um, and that's why, even though I think Fugit is certainly the more sympathetic of the two quote unquote responsible siblings or the older siblings, I just, I think, yeah, she's forced to wear the pants more and that has less room to allow sort of daydreaming or flights of fancy. Yeah. yeah. She, I, I think part of the problem I had with her character is she seems very angry. Yeah, she uh, does. and but, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if that's because of the situation she's been in. This is where I made the psychotic comment. I don't know if that's because yeah. of the situation she's been put in, 
or because maybe she has always been angry and maybe this yeah, maybe this position she's that. in fits her better than it fits Fugit who has decided even though again I agree with Todd it's not clear okay. that Fugit has decided he wants I don't know Miami Beach that's about as clear as it gets right but I looked at her strain as more strain as a byproduct right. of right. environment versus her being that way despite being like regardless of environment yeah 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 I'm, I mean that's I'd, I'd be curious more people see this how they'd react to certain things I mean, so how, I mean, bit. how did y'all feel about the Owen Campbell performance? The uh, the degenerative uh, brother. I thought it was not Jared Leto. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I think he yeah, he was fine. I think it was fine. It was yeah. I think it between kind of creepy and kind of uh, pitiful, sorry, like mm-hmm. in a good way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I liked him. Uh, there were there were moments that were a bit awkward with him. Yeah. But, yeah. There was. There was. But for overall, he was pretty good. He was fine. I mean, he, I mean, uh, if he's in, someone go, hey, that's him. But I'm not going to necessarily seek things out. Um, but, he's, but no, he was, he was perfectly fine. Yeah, I think he's Canadian. Actually, uh, I'm looking now to see if he is. Uh, I haven't. I don't. If I've seen him in anything, I don't know what it is. I'm yeah, sure. Super Dark Times. He did. Which is Canadian? I feel like I could be wrong. Well, he's been working for a while. I mean, since 2006. Um, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I've seen anything else he's been in. I don't know if it's Canadian or not. Yeah, anyway, uh, but no, he's, he's okay. Um, talked about kind of the strain of obligation. Uh, screwdriver in the leg. That sucks. You know, sometimes that's oh, small man. stuff like Toby cut off for the screwdriver in the leg, trying to pull it out. I think the blood looked really good in this. No, um, you know, the violence. You know the problem that bothered me the most was the tooth being taken out. Oh fuck! Yeah, I don't need yeah. that. I don't need that moment in my life. No, no, no. Not this, not. Um, but yeah, I had said to me, it, it just feels like it's functioning as like a cold, loveless marriage. Um, consumed with the business of keeping things afloat and the child going. Um, a lot of uh, I think the camera work is really good. I liked it. It's kind of a lot of. Stuff just off screen, and then it slowly pulls in. And that kind of adds to the anxious feel for me a little bit. Like, okay, come on, let's see. You know, and it's just this kind of inert stress. I don't know. It, things aren't moving quickly, right? Much like mm-hmm. the characters are feeling yeah. that things aren't moving quickly. So, uh, yeah, I think one thing that I found clumsy was I, I can understand. Uh, was it the Evan? Is that his name? Evan? No. Owen? Owen. Oh. No, that's his real name. Well, his name is Tommy. Thomas, Thomas, that's right. Um, Tommy. Uh, I guess I can understand the whole paper airplane thing, but the kids felt a bit old to be, like, the teenager that comes in the house feels needlessly kind of naive. Like, it, it almost feels like, if I read that script, it would be like... Well, it's, again, that, that's just symptomatic of the whole thing. Everybody yeah. in this yeah. thing just has no, they don't know what a phone is, they don't know what a car is, they don't know what a computer is, none yeah. of them owns phones. I don't know when it was set. Uh, I mean, really, I'm assuming it's contemporary. Yeah, it's never really defined. The timeline's never really defined. Right, right. But uh, I mean, you know, the reality, the real world, just doesn't exist outside of this house. Yeah. Or, yeah. or, or for that matter, outside of the house in general, from the people who we meet outside of the house. So. Yeah. Right. 
Um, that cup offering. I don't know if I'd be drinking that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't think so. Uh, I would either. No. I'm good. Uh, we get the old uh, Jamie Lee Curtis slotted uh, closet door. Um, nice. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It was a wrenching scene. For me, at least it was. It was the back end of the film. And yeah, there's sort of an obvious assumption made. And I think this looks at some of the the way we, we sometimes perceive things in a rush to judgment sometimes and things aren't always as clear as they may seem. And I like the final shot. I like the expanse of the sea and I don't know. I like the final shot. I thought it was yeah. good. Yeah. Those are all my notes. All right. Todd, MVTs, make or breaks. What you got, man? Wicked. Uh, make or break. I'm going with the opening. I think that it pretty much fully encompasses what you're in store for tonally, stylistically, dramatically. Uh, so I think that, uh, anybody who watches this will know if you're in or out, uh, within just a few minutes, uh, MVT, I'm going to go with Quartus. Uh, I'm assuming I'm pronouncing his name correctly. If I'm not, I do apologize. Uh, it is his baby. Uh, and uh, he definitely shows some solid chops here. Uh, I'll be interested to see, uh, you know, where he goes from this point on. Mm -hmm. Uh, but score for me is uh, six out of 10. Uh, it's good. Uh, but I mean, like I said, this didn't knock my socks off. Didn't surprise me. Didn't bowl me over. So, yeah. Um, I will say make or break for me. I like the scene where the, uh, the gentleman that's in the shed gets loose and there's a quick moment. It's a, it's a small moment, but it's a moment that I really liked in the movie where something moves just out of eye just out of eye shot of our one of our leads Patrick Fuga he's watching TV with his uh little brother or what we assume is his little brother I guess and there's this movement out of the corner of his eye and he doesn't really know what it is he doesn't know if it's the sister or if it's whatever it is and then how that plays out is is a nice little moment of uh energy uh that I think the movie needed at right the right at just the right moment actually um and really helped uh me kind of get through the kind of slow pacing i thought that kind of permeated a lot of the movie in some ways uh mvt i'm gonna go with future i really liked him a lot in this movie uh i thought he really did a good job kind of the subtle acting and stuff um it was very well done a lot of stuff he did with his face and and uh some of the physical stuff he's asked to do here and he really did sell the leg man just like a good wrestler you know he sold the he sold the leg injury quite well you know you got to sell that leg injury you know if you're going to go for the leg you got to sell the leg uh my score is a little higher than todd's uh i'll go 6.75 i like this movie i think it's it's a good film it's a good it's a good solid film but it's also a first time film you know you can feel that yeah and i think quartus has got a career in front of him i'll say that and uh i would definitely watch this again and advise people to pick it up. It's flawed, but I think it's it's it it more than makes up for its flaws in some ways. And uh, it's a little transgressive. I think I may have wanted it to be a little bit more transgressive. Uh, maybe not. Now thinking about it in hindsight, I didn't need it to be ultra violent. It's pretty hardcore in some ways. Uh, yeah, I, I I thought maybe it was going to be more because you know most indie th- you know most first time filmmakers they're going to want to make an impact. So I thought, man, I'm I'm in for something that's going to turn my stomach. Uh, it did, but not in the way that you know 
films can sometimes do with their violence. Uh, it's still repulsive in a lot of ways, um, so be prepared for that. Um, but at the same time, I think it's 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 a heartfelt little movie. I just think it's a flawed little movie as well. I'll kick it over to you, Will. Excellent. No, very fair, very fair. Um, yeah, I think I would agree with the criticisms you guys made. I think they, I would just, um, they don't, uh, I don't feel as strongly about them as you guys do. I can certainly recognize them. I don't think it's the films without its flaws or um, that it doesn't fall into certain trappings or it doesn't trip itself up. It, it, it certainly does at times. I should say as an aside, I feel like this was um, a, a feature-length version of short. They say I feel like it. I should say it is. If I did say I feel like, yeah, it's um, uh, a, uh, a short that uh, Cordis had done called Kuru, hmm. twenty-two minutes long. So this is sort of expanded to feature length, slightly rejigged or repurposed, but essentially the same plot. Um, so my make or break is, gosh, I think this film has a lot of strong seeds. I love the opening, uh, the dinner table scenes fine cold um some tense moments at the the motel uh, but i like the finale i think the finale gives us some reason for optimism optimism without um saying anything more than that uh and vt i was kind of torn between quertus and fugit and um in addition to that i also really liked um Ingrid, Sophie, Schramm. Uh, so I decided ultimately to go with the brother and sister turns and mm. kind of the push pull they had. I I quite liked them. I thought it was uh, it was strong. I just said the, the weight that each felt and how they responded to the situation differently um, uh, and how they justified things internally. Um, my score for the film, and I also think Cordes is one to watch in the future. Like I said, not a perfect film, uh, but uh, certainly enough talent there that. Um, I'll keep an eye on anything he does. Uh, my score is higher than your guys, to be expected. It's a 7.5. Nice. Nice. Yeah, no, I think it's a, I mean, as first films go, it's it's a really solid first film. Um, it's a shirt. I mean, it trips us up a little bit, but yeah. I, I don't think it's as neat as these showy as some first films. Which... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's not, you know, I mean, it's not as impactful maybe either as some first films. But, I mean, again, sure. if you look at most. Slow. If you look at most first films from most directors, you really get the the kind of mixed first film and then you get a great career or you sometimes get the great first film and you never can capitalize on it again. It, it can go anywhere. But I think definitely Quartus is somebody to watch. And I, I would be interested to watch that uh, short film because it says in that short film description that it's a cannibalistic brother. And which, it's one. Like it's it's uh, a brother, not siblings, right? Yeah, so it's, yeah. Slightly repurposed, I think. So I'd I'd be curious to see that and uh, see what that's about. Maybe that'll be on the uh, Blu-ray or something. I don't know. Yeah, I'd like. And to I, see I should clarify. I don't think Joe's company put this out. I think he watched it and said, "I dig it." Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Um, either way, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm. It's one of those things where you know, I'm glad I saw it. I I, I got to be honest with you. I don't know if I'd have pursued this from the marketing this is definitely one of those kind of movies where somebody telling me about it is the way i would have seen it so i want to thank joe for that because i I don't know that i would have pursued this otherwise um it's not uh, i mean the 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 poster only slightly sells what the movie is and yeah. uh 
the awards things always kind of, you know, they draw my attention. Certainly festival awards draw my attention, but that's become a real, like people have really leaned into that. Yeah. They, they really, yeah. Sometimes that that can be, yeah, that can be a catch 22 big time. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes you go on it and you're like, what the fuck am I watching? Um, But yeah, I'm I'm glad he uh, mentioned it and stuff. And uh, yeah, not not bad. Uh, next week, uh, thanks for listening to the show, everybody. We appreciate it. Next week, uh, next week we're doing diabolic. Uh, we'll be back with um, a couple picks from me. We'll be doing uh, Dead Zone from David Cronenberg because we're not going to be happy until we cover every David Cronenberg film on the show. True. It seems seems like seems like it's a, at this point it's almost an inadvertent goal of uh, the GGTMC. Uh, I don't know how that's happened, but it just has happened. Maybe I, I think it's probably because well, that and Fulci. Yeah, I think those those films spark conversation though. So I think that's that's the important thing to remember here. And then we're going to be doing uh, is it Gary Sherman that did Dead and Buried? Gary Sherman, yeah. Yeah, so Gary Sherman. I thought it was. Uh, we'll be doing Gary Sherman uh, Dead and Buried, which is a personal favorite of William Lustig's and uh, a film that I haven't seen since way back. I have not watched this in a high definition copy or on a disc format ever. I've only ever seen this on VHS. So I'd be curious to check this out because it's going to be interesting, but that's what we'll be talking about uh, next week. So we hope you guys stay safe, stay happy, enjoy things, enjoy life. And most of all, enjoy movies, man, because that's what it's all about. Uh, we will talk to you on the flip side and I will say adios. 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 Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com and you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com.